Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode. And is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. And welcome to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys so much for being with us here as we kick off Season 16. It's episode number 151, and it is Monday, October the 28th, 2019. As always, we're here to rob you through the world of retro wrestling. I'm Joe Morata, and that's Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Howdy doody. Quinn, we're back from our two-week, uh, we're our one-week break. Two weeks Va- ago was our last episode. Vacation, if you will. We vacated. Yeah, we we did. We definitely vacated. <laughs> we went to the beach. Right. Remember that? We did a live Q&A it from was, the beach. It was all cold. <laughs> I, I, I didn't... I didn't, yeah. I didn't care for the weather. The sand was all blown in our face and stuff like that. It's true. I'm not going to lie. It wasn't that pleasant. But folks, hopefully this will be a pleasant day for you here to start off your week right as we romp you through the world of retro wrestling. Some new stuff in store for you. One thing I know that everyone's been buzzing about, Quinn, is the new Royal Rankings for the season. Oh, yeah. They've, they've been talking about it across the nation. It's um, in the Observer. Yeah. I also heard it's like all the talk in the Hollywood Weekly and oh, all yeah. those. Us all, Weekly. All the uh, periodicals around the nation. Guns and Ammo. Yeah. <laughs> they, talking about it. it, it it's, a, it's like a little blurb at the, in, like the coming soon section. That's right. And folks, if you want to send us a little blurb, you can go follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can also email us at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. That is ovppodcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, the best place to talk about blurbs and a bunch of other stuff is over at our Facebook group, Quinn. All right. Facebook.com slash blurb. Yes. It's, it's an amazing site with blurbs all over the place. Right. What happens there with the blurbs? So it has something called the search bar, which is like a shorter version of a blurb. <laughs> um, you just search for our vantage point dash retro wrestling podcast. Right. Don't add any blurbage no. at the end of it. Just, no verbiage or blurbage? Just put that. Hit enter. Right. Uh, bing, bang, boom, tubes, gore. Kaflui? Uh, kaflu- There's always kaflui. Thank you, Michael. Which is also not really a blurb. It's just a, It's just like a noise. What would kaflui sound like? Kaflui! Like, that's like the noise. Like, yeah. if, if it weren't saying it, you know right. what I mean? It's an onomatopoeia. Right. Yeah, that's what it is. Thank you very much. And you can go over there. You talk about onomatopoeias. You can talk about Hakushi, the Orient Express, whatever you Hakushi, like. Hakushi, yeah. That's, yes. that's every day we talk about it. Uh, but go to our Facebook group, seriously, because what we do over there is rather than be mad, we get glad. Yeah, the, <laughs> like the, the saran wrap or whatever. Exactly. Or the we garbage bag. We use it correctly, too. <laughs> Unlike some people. Yeah, it's true. So go to our Facebook group. It will be a very fun time. And later on the show, we're going to have some information on our Patreon. But we do have a Patreon at patreon.com slash OVP podcast. There's some cool rewards there. We'll go over them later for you. But Quinn, man, we uh we got a new season here. Oh, yeah. Which means a new segment to start off the show. It's true. Anytime we have a new season, we have a new segment, and that is what we do at this show. Now, this show, we're in our 16th season. Is that longer than Roseanne? Mm, yeah, it's lo- not as long as The Simpsons, though, or probably Bonanza or I something like that. I think we're like catching that. up to The Simpsons. <laughs> I think a soon... We'll be well, there. there like 30 seasons or something, We can right? do it. I think we can. Okay. But with this uh, new season, folks, this new opening segment, we wanted to do something a little different. You know, the last couple of seasons, we've been taking uh, your requests or in your suggestions and your questions. We've had the wheel you stop. Right. We had uh, a bunch of other ways where we took your questions and different stuff each and every week. 
But what we want to do this time around is kind of give a recap and a shout out, uh, maybe a tip of the cap, if you will. Tippy. <laughs> Put it in the tip jar. To some of the non-main eventers that we've experienced uh, in our retro wrestling fandom. Right. We're talking about your mid-carders, right? Yeah, Mr. Mid-Card. So <laughs> these are people that maybe never really were big superstars. Maybe they had a main event match once or twice, you know, here yeah. and there. Yeah, but or the, maybe they main evented for like a mid-card belt or right. something. Like that That's acceptable. Like B-show main event, you know. We're, but we're not talking about your Hulk Hogan's, right? your Steve Austin's, your Undertaker's, your Underwear Takers. <laughs> Screw those guys. We're talking about the mid-carders. So this is the OVP salute. To the mid-card. What is this? Who wants to be a millionaire? <laughs> is Regis coming out of the corner? Yeah, surprise, Quinn! Oh, he should be on the mid-card. <laughs> so I'll salute him every day. So let's start with, uh, this season we're starting with someone that you and I both really like, Quinn. Yeah. Tito Santana. Oh yeah, him. Chico. <laughs> yeah, you ever heard of Chico? Chico Santana, that was his name, right? Yeah, well, according to Jesse Ventura, isn't that like literally what Jesse always and only called him? He said it so many times that I eventually just said that out of habit. Why not? That's like, his that's name, what right? He, that's what he calls him. Yeah. Now, Tito Santana uh, was in the WWF for a couple of different stints. He was never really a main eventer, Quinn. I think you, you wanted to pick him as the first one because Tito Santana kind of embodies this topic, this whole he's, segment we're going to do. He's the consummate mid-carder. He is. And someone that was very talented, certainly very popular for most of his career. Smart, he teaches math <laughs> or whatever. I think it's Spanish or gym or both. Oh, I thought Spanish it was Spanish gym. Okay. He teaches bullfighting. Oh, come on! Uh, and his WWF career began in 1979. Right. He, he started only a couple of years before that. He was trained by, I believe it was Hiro Matsuda. Oh, and Bo- like Mr. Hulk Hogan's <laughs> trainer, huh? And Bob Orton Sr., I think, was involved what? with training. <laughs> Why? A, that name you don't hear much. Yeah. But Tito made it to the WWF in 1979 and won the tag title. So that's not the title. It's it's the tag title. It's the tag titles. And he won that with Ivan Putski, the Puts. Oh, the Putsy. Yes. There, I like him. Wait, he won belts? Ivan yeah, Putski? Yeah, like one time. I thought he was more Duggan-ish and just never won a belt. He didn't need it. He, he like, became more Duggan later. Yeah. You know, Ivan Putski's great, but we're not talking about He might be him. another yeah. one for yeah. this whole segment Seriously, here. Seriously, he's good. World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions. First, from Mexico City, Mexico, weighing 235 pounds, Tito Santana. And from Krakow, Poland, weighing 240 pounds, Polish power, Ivan Putski. So he and Santana were the tag t- uh, champions for a while. They lost him to the Samoans in 1980. And then Tico. T- t- Chico. Chico. That's, that's his name. Then Chico kind of traveled the globe for a little bit. Real globetrotter. He globetrotted down to some NWA territories, and he came back to the WF in 83. Would he stay pretty much to the end of his career, other than, you know, like when he got old and crap? Yeah. Yeah. From 83 to 93, Tito was there the whole time. Wow, 10 whole years. Won the Intercontinental title from Don Morocco. Right. Had that great feud that we always talk about with Greg Valentine. Mm-hmm. Then he was uh, instrumental in the tag title scene with Rick Martell in 87. Mr. Strike Force, yep. Mr. Girls in Cars. 87, 88. And then he was just uh, spent the last four or so years, 89 to 93, putting people over. Fighting bulls. Fighting bulls. <laughs> it's true. Uh, wearing the same tights from Strike Force. <laughs> wearing the Strike Force lot. tights for a long time. 
then went to the AWF and did he Wait, like was, did he wanna, own the AWF? I, maybe. Why was he the champion? I, I don't really want to talk about that. So when we say you know mid Carter, we don't mean it, champion of the AWF. Well, that doesn't count. To be honest with you, being champion of the AWF might as well be a mid Carter. <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> Seriously. It is, Quinn. Didn't they only have, like, two champions ever or something? Yeah, isn't it him and Bob Orton or something? Isn't it literally Tito and Orton? Sergeant Slaughter have it for a minute at the beginning? No, he was just there a lot. Okay. (laughs) He was just there, but I don't think he actually... salute the kids and in his freaking Judge Reinhold uniform. (laughs) Don't do drugs! And that's like, he leaves. He's nice. Bit of a close talker. A what? You'll see. This is Aaron. Hello, Aaron. Hello, Hello, Aaron. So how long are you folks in town? But the thing about Tito, I think he's fondly remembered, not only because of Jesse Ventura's nickname mm-hmm. that he bestowed upon him, right? not only because of the Matador gimmick, which is just funny, it's not good, it's just stupid, right? Having titles, I think he's remembered for, like, uh, mid-carders usually don't have belts. Yeah, he was a great mid-card champion, the IC title, but I, I would like to say that, you know, w- within this segment, we want to talk about what made this person really great, and also maybe why we think they weren't, you know, didn't break through to the upper, upper echelon the way like a Hulk Hogan would. Well, this guy in particular, I don't think he was ever set to break through. I don't think that is what they were hiring him to do. And I just don't think that he had all of the tools that makes a main eventer one. I mean, he, yeah, I mean, he isn't like a Hulk Hogan charismatic figure, but even he comes out there, it says Ariba and he wrestles a good match. Yeah, his promos are probably... I've heard him give like some pretty good ones during that Valentine feud, but I, he's not a charismatic promo guy. No, but I mean, he comes off to me... He was always, to me, the perception was like he's an athlete. He's not sure. out there to like talk shit. He's out there to have good matches. Yeah, he's not there to fuck around. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's like, I was good in high school football or whatever, and here I am. Like, you know what I mean. I do know what you mean, yeah. yeah. He's got that, like thing about him where you're like, yeah, this guy probably played football or baseball right. or something, and here he is, he's wrestling. He did play football, actually. Yeah, I'm the, sure he did. In the CFL, I think, of all places. Weird. Not, Not the, the MFL, NFL. as Jesse Ventura would say. <laughs> he did say that, which made me think that was real. No, as a not, kid. I'm not, not joking. Real. Like I was like, there has to be that. No, There's no, CFL, no. why wouldn't there be MFL? No, no. But Tito Santana, in terms of what's really good about him, very good wrestler. Yeah. In all seriousness, very similar in my mind, Quinn, a lot in common with like a Ricky Steamboat. That's true. Like in terms of can fight from underneath, you get a lot of sympathy. You know what? I personally think since he was a little earlier, whereas Ricky Steamboat was like that consummate mid-carder in NWA at that point in time. Right. I think Tito was their Ricky Steamboat. I think that's like what they were going for. Do you think it was a conscious decision to have like their own... Yes. Version, you, you do. Like super baby face, like wears white tights and the women love him and the guys want to be him because he's kind of like, you know, he's like an all around athlete and he's something to aspire to. Did the women like, t- I guess they did like uh, Tito, he right? Had, uh, he's got a sympathetic face. I mean, honestly, <laughs> like to be fair, like that's, you could tell that's what they're marketing him as. It's like, oh, he's always like, oh, I'm crying and, you know, like, oh, I got it back. And then the girls are like, man, I want to date him. That's like probably like, What's going on there? <laughs> what are you talking about? That's well, uh, Florence Nightingale syndrome. Shut up! That's back not even. F- that's not what that is. From Back to the Future. It's not the same thing. It's a yeah. different thing. Did I even say the name right? Yeah, Florence no. Nightingale. Florence Henderson. Florence Henderson syndrome <laughs> from the Brady Bunch. Right. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, that's when you have bad hair. Right. You marry an architect. Anyway, Tito Santana. Yeah, I agree with you though. He had a sympathetic face. I guess I never thought of that in in those I mean, terms. The guy always looks like he's gonna cry. 
<laughs> like every time he's in so a match. So does Dana Warrior. I yeah. don't feel bad for her. Well, well, I do that her husband died. She's a nice lady, though. Uh, is she? I don't know what she is. We should have her on the show sometime. I want to talk to her. She's probably really nice. She Maybe probably she would is. like come up here to the attic and like actually like she would do it live. What did you just call this? You know what it is. The loft. Yeah. Tito Santana, though, uh, was a great wrestler. I think had a good look. I don't think he had the charisma, maybe, to be a main eventer. Do you think that's one of it? Yeah, well, I think it's purely interviewing, honestly. I think that's, like, what stopped him from ascending. You don't think he was too small during that period of time? No. During the Hogan era? He's, like, on steroids and all jacked up. (laughs) Are you kidding me? But everyone is, so it's level, right? Yeah, I didn't think he looked small ever, to be honest with you. He's about 6'1", 6'2", 240-ish. Yeah, I mean, he looks like everyone else, to be honest with you. But is that the problem, that he looks like everyone else, maybe? that that is the problem. I mean, he's not 6'7". Right. He doesn't have the outlandish personality of a Randy Savage. Same size, same ability. He looks just as jacked as the Macho Man. Sure. Like, you know what I mean? Sure. But do you think it's just a matter of the timing? I mean, you look at 1985 WWF, mm-hmm. 86, he, he's right? He's also a little skinnier then. It's he's a little smaller. It's like late 80s where it's like all of a sudden he's like bulky and you're yeah. like, what the hell? Not, like, not what to happened be, to this guy? Not to be confused with bulky in the late 80s. Yeah. Where do I come up with them? Anyway, but if you look at the crowded scene, Quinn, of 1985, you either have outlandish physiques or outlandish personalities or a combination of both dominating, right? Yeah. It I'm, seemed like the death knell for him being like top mid-card, like Mr. Mid-card number one or whatever was right. Macho Man coming in. Well, that's like, one of the things. All of a sudden, they're like, oh, we got to get the belt off him. And like, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that the Macho Man just like took it off of him because it was like he almost came in and like just replaced him as like the best mid-carder. I think so. And don't forget, they also had as a face Ricky Steamboat himself, the actual right who was there right around the same time that, that we're talking about. I think if you look at some of the outlandish personalities in 1985-86, your Roddy Pipers, Hulk mm-hmm. Hogan, characters like Jake Roberts, but I mean personalities yeah. like Savage, how do you stand out when you... The one thing I will say yeah, go ahead. is that because he was a baby face and because he had a lot of these outlandish heels, one of the things about him was he was like a counterbalance. It's like, why would I root for this obnoxious asshole right. when like this is an upstanding gentleman who... He's not disrespectful. You know, he signs autographs for the kids. That is like, true. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's supposed to be a counterbalance. But after a while, it just became like, you saw how successful Hulk Hogan was in being an asshole, but also being a face. <laughs> and they were just like, you know what? Just everyone has to be a dick. Like, let's Jake the Snake is a face now. And like, yeah, you know true. what I mean? Like, but I think, yeah, I think Santa, I think you nailed it. Actually, he was a counterbalance. He, there was really, unless you're an asshole, nothing unlikable about him. It's true. He was yeah. very likable. Mm-hmm. He's one of the best examples of this, so I think it was a good pick because when you watch a Tito Santana match, whether it's um, some of his good stuff, folks, that Valentine feud that I always mention, it's not just that, though. If you check out some of his stuff as late as 1990 against Mr. Perfect. Yeah, even matches with Rick Martell are fun. Rick Martell, Rick Flair in like 91, I think. I'm, oh, yeah. I mean, it's real. What was cool about Tito, too, that I always liked is you could have a good TV match against a real opponent with him. He didn't necessarily have to win. And, and he generally he, wouldn't. He generally wouldn't. Sometimes he'd get a win, though. Mm-hmm. Like, he wasn't like just a big loser. And it was, well, according I, to Rick I, I Martell. I, I knew that was going to prop that, but the point is, is he wasn't. I don't want to be associated with that guy. He's a loser. No, he wasn't a loser. Generally, generally he was on Superstars like a, a lot. And he would win a lot. And it wasn't like he was just like the guy that you make the new big star fight. It was like, no, it's like every week Tito is like squishing people. And what's great about him, too, the way he wrestled in the ring, 
is he could take on a Mr. Perfect or a Ric Flair, and it's believable that Tito's going to win. Well, because all you have to do is be like, well, he was the Intercontinental Champion twice. Like, that should be good enough. He was the Intercontinental Champion twice. He was a, ta- he was a tag champion. Yeah, and- he had all the belts but the world title, so you could pit him against absolutely anybody, and you could just instantly say that on commentary, and you're like, oh, okay, like, he's not, like, a big loser. A tough customer, as they yeah, might say. Exactly. He also pinned The Undertaker once. Really? In, ni- this- in 91. Was this when he was, like, very new and, like, they didn't really were counting anything. Oh, no, it was when Undertaker was, you know, quote unquote undefeated. Oh, he wasn't Kane yet. It was. <laughs> this was after he was Kane, or <laughs> don't, whatever. Don't bring up that. <laughs> what Kane, the Undertaker? Anyway. I, I, I just I have to work with it. What they give me, you know. I agree. Uh, so when you think of <laughs> Tito Santana, you think of someone that could really pull out a good match, a very fiery, and you know that hot Latin temper, as they always say. Uh huh. And I appreciate him, and that's the whole point of this opening segment all season long, folks, is we're going to say nice things about these wrestlers that we grew up watching. It's going to be a very nice segment. It's a very nice segment uh, that we see in retrospect, maybe things we've noticed. I'm going to ask you a question. I never appreciated Tito Santana until like the last maybe five years. What about you? Yeah. I actually like, as a kid, I really liked him a lot. Really? Yeah. I always liked him. Be perfectly honest with you. And again, I think it was just he was a counterbalance and I just appreciated his in-ring work, but I also appreciated that he wasn't treated as, like, a big loser. Right, right. Like, to be honest with you, like, it's it's almost kind of really funny that Rick Marco <laughs> said, you're a loser. Yeah. But at, but at the same time, it's like, I guess the reason maybe that that's why that pissed fans off was, like, no, like, it, people probably were sensitive to the fact that, hmm. you know, calling him a loser because he's not, like, the world champion right. was, like, bullshit because what the fuck he like beat all these guys won all these belts yeah yeah you know what i mean it's like we were rooting for him and he won sure sure i understand quinn so i think that that's a nice little way to set the stage here all season long folks will be talking about some of the best mid carters talented people that maybe never had a main event run like we Mm -hmm. were saying or if they had a main event match you know that that's one thing if they were champion of the awf it doesn't count (laughs) I think anybody who was champion of the AWF could be a mid-card appreciation. <laughs> right. And so if you have suggestions, because we don't have like this all mapped out, we don't have like a, a storyboard here for all 10 oh, episodes. No, not at all. So if you have suggestions for, you know, who's a really good mid-carder, who fits the mold here that we can talk about, be sure to tweet them at us at OVP Podcast. You can email them to us at ovppodcast at gmail.com or just post them on the group once you join the group with the Kaflui and all of that. Yeah, the Kaflui stuff. The Kaflui group. So, <laughs> but Quinn, we got a lot of stuff to do this season because we have the brand new Royal Rankings and Royal Flush. It is the entrance theme, folks, and this is very exciting. A lot of people are looking forward to this one. Tons of submissions, and guess what? We're going to pull the first two names out of the tank. It's the Royal Rankings coming up right after this. Who's that whispering in the trees? It's two cities and they're only pipes and chains and swinging hands. Who's your daddy? Yes, I am. You know, Gene, I'm a little disturbed about this whole thing because I wanted the producers to show the people here in Boston exactly what happened because no matter what I come out here and say, Gene, no matter what I say, Macho Man is going to come out here and lie about it. Macho Man, I was not able to get the producer to show what happened this week, but I guarantee you, man, I'm going to stay on them, and by next week, they're going to have to show what happened. What really makes me mad, Gene, more than anything else, is the fact that Macho Man had been bragging about the fact that right here in Boston, he was going to take the belt away from me. I know damn well now, Macho Man, why you were so sure that you were going to take the belt away from me here in Boston. I want you to feel this, Mean Gene. That's what he knocked me out with. Steel, solid steel. It's got to be 32 ounces. Knock me right out. Macho man, 
I took it to you right here in Boston, my man, because Boston happens to be my town. I'll put a weapon to you, brother. And several times, I've seen the film. I saw you go for that on several occasions, my show, man. You had it all figured out, man. That's what really gets me hot. Te garantizo, cobarde. Te garantizo aquí en Boston. Tengo la oportunidad de luchar en contra de ti otra vez. Aquí gané un título una vez. Tengo la oportunidad, macho, man. Te garantizo, cobarde. Ni esto te va a ayudar. Estoy preparado para hacerte que pagues como un perro, cobarde. ¡Arriba! And now, back to our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys very much for being with us here for episode number 151. Wow. Here on October the 28th, 2019. Hey, Quinn. Hey. Hey, how you doing over there? Hi. I'm good. <laughs> good. Just nice. in my chair over yeah, here. Nice to see you over there in your chair. Uh-huh. Uh, so, did you know, Quinn, that we have extra content available? Do we? We do, yeah. I mean, I do help you record it every <laughs> I would time. hope you would know. Yeah. This is just called Happy Talk. <laughs> Maybe I just thought I was doing something else, <laughs> but, and we didn't record anything. That it wasn't released or anything? Yeah, yeah but no, it is. all private. It's it's it is uh, it's available, folks, and you can do it. Uh, you can find it on Patreon.com slash OVP Podcast. Wait a sec. You're, repo- you're recording me? <laughs> what is this? Yeah, I recorded you, Quinn, and I. Uh, we were talking about all the pay-per-views. Oh, yeah. I remember when we did right? that. And yeah. sometimes we watch uh, WWF. So let me explain this here. Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Very simple. It's three different tiers. $2, $3, and $5. Are and they that's all it. delicious? Each they one of those good. tiers? Okay. They're very good. tasty. I mean, that's a big selling point. Deliciousness? Yeah, deliciousness. No, I think it's the, pretty delicious. The, the taste factor on the tiers is what people look forward to. The taste factory. Yeah. So uh, what you do when you go over to OVP slash taste factory mm-hmm. is you can Real choose. Sight. Yep. $2 gets you raw video. We make every single Monday show. Sometimes they're extra long because I'm tinkering out the sound. America's now, longest videos. <laughs> now, if that's uh, that's up your alley, great. If you want a little more, well, if you add a dollar, $3 a month, you get the raw video. You also get bi-weekly every other Friday. Quinn and I are watching all of WWF 1982 and 3 in yep. order with you guys. We're in February of 1983, I hear. Yes, we are. That's the timeline, right? That's February of 83 right now. That's yeah. the chrono trigger. That's the chrono. Yeah. And uh, you get to watch it along with us. And guess what? If you don't want to sit there and watch it, we also release them in Dude, audio form. It's amazing. <laughs> It has no video. video yeah. Video-less audio. It's like the video version, except you can't see shit. Right. So. You can't. <laughs> so that means you could take it on the road. Maybe you're at a yeah. wrestling show. Yeah, right. And, and you're watching that wrestling. But you know how there's no commentary when you right. go live? You just put in your ear pods. Yeah, your ear pods. And you listen to us talk about something that you're not watching. It's not called ear pods, is it? AirPods, sorry. Yeah, no, yeah. it's okay. Put in your AirPods. Put in your earphones. Yeah. <laughs> you get to listen to or us. Skull candy, whatever you use. That's very nice. Yeah, yeah. Skull candy. So that's $3 a month. Now, if you add two more dollars to that, that's it. Just $5 a month. You're 200 getting- cents more. That's correct. Or 100 tuppence more. Yeah. Some kind of pence. Yeah. Add 100 tuppence more, and what you're going to get is not only the raw video, not only the WWF 1983 live watch-alongs, you're also going to get Quinn and I every single month are doing every WWF pay-per-view in order, including the WrestleFest, which is out right now. It was sure a feast. It was feast. We <laughs> it was partook in said feast. We did. It was um not a pay-per-view, but we did it anyway. It was kind of like having Sean Mooney at Thanksgiving dinner. You don't really. You don't want, want him there. You don't want him there, but you'll deal with it. 
You know, that's that's WrestleFest in 1988 in a nutshell. Pretty much. And then your Uncle Billy Graham is just like all over yeah, the place that, just this stumbling. Is, this is the free sample of right. the review if you if you were wondering <laughs> what it's going to be like. Uh, and then we're doing a real pay-per-view, though, of course, next month for November. Mm-hmm. Uh, what says, what says November more than SummerSlam? Yeah, it's the most Thanksgiving-esque pay-per-view in the lineup, I hear. Yes. Uh, uh, it's true. But true check, statement. Check it out, really. Truth story. Uh, check it out over on patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Uh, there's three rewards tiers, like we said, and you won't shed any tears over our prices. Uh, also, I want to mention, we do have t-shirts available if you need some clothes. I have t-shirts. <laughs> We have OVP clothes for oh, okay. you. okay. It's not just from my closet. No, I, don't, no. I don't send it to them or anything, right? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, but you go to teespring.com slash OVP podcast. That is T-E-E spring.com slash OVP podcast. We have new shirts. There's a who cares wow. shirt. Nobody cares about that and shirt. And nobody cares about it. And there's also the uh, OVP like raw logo. And that's a nice one. And thank you to Mike Crockett for that design. Yeah. So, I, isn't there some other shirts in the in the making or whatever? There's some I, things going I, I see on. Yeah. Emails go around HQ and yeah. I, memos, yeah, if you will, the mem- memorandums. Yeah, you know, the secretary at HQ mm-hmm. needs to like get everything to me. She's soon. nice, by the way. She's super nice. She needs to get a raise. Yeah, just like the people with the donuts at the desk. Operators are standing for the group, by for the group or whatever. That's right. If you're still standing by listening yeah. to this, we we thank you. Uh, so <laughs> we, we do talk about wrestling. I promise. This is your first one. Yeah. All right. In all seriousness, though, the Royal Rankings now, we've been doing this for, this is now the 51st episode where we've been doing this segment, and what the Royal Rankings is, is before the season starts, we ask you, the fans, to give us a list of your 10 best of something and 10 worst of something. In this case, for this season, we wanted to do entrance themes. Oh, I thought this was socks. (laughs) No? Okay, never mind. next season. Sorry. Wrong season. Can't be reading those memos so early. (laughs) So, no, socks will be next season. Uh, But this one is entrance themes. Now... That's good because this is an audio show, last I checked. Right. Uh, last season, you know, this genius over here that's talking right now picked a visual one, which is finishing moves. Right. Well, <laughs> m- music is always a good thing to use your ears for. Yeah, so it's true. So we're doing a show about it. So we're doing one about entrance themes. So we took all of your submissions. And like I said, there was a lot. This one people seem into. Was there? I, I, didn't, I wasn't counting. So well, yeah, you don't have to do that. I don't do usually that. tally things. No, we have interns for that. Yeah. There were a lot of submissions. So the top 10 from the good ones and the top 10 for the bad ones go into separate tanks, right? And each and every week, we're going to pull out two names. We're going to rank them. So by the end of the season, we will have the definitive, scientific, certified, notarized, non-GMO, organic. listening for the non-GMO. I just want to make sure. We don't have any. I don't think the FDA would approve this. They would not. Yeah. Nor would FDR. Yeah. Or the FBI. Right. With J. Edgar Hoover! All those organizations that start with an F. Yes, all of them. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're going to have the definitive top 10 best and bottom 10 worst wrestling themes of all time. This week, we're starting with the rankings, which is the best. Next week, we'll be starting the flush, which is the worst. So and we'll that, alternate from there. We'll be alternating yep. from there, correct? So without any further ado, Quinn, it's time to go down to Howard Finkel for the Royal Rankings. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Royal Rankings. Sexy. Just a honky-tonk man. 
is cooking. <laughs> it is the Royal Rankings of Entrance Themes, I, week one here, Michael. I love how that transitioned back into the like, Royal Rumble music. Is the Royal Rumble music nominated? No, no, no okay. I don't believe so. Count. Uh, if, you, if you're newer to the show, Quinn does not get to hear these until we do the first one, so right. he always has a little laugh at how uh, the, the music comes out, by our music department, of course. Of course, it's not the, me. The growing staff as yeah. the show goes on. <laughs> All right, Quinn, so uh, we have done the intro here. We're going to be pulling out the name shortly. Real quick, though, why don't we talk about what makes a good entrance theme? What do you think the whole crux of this is here? To me, it gets you, like, fired up when they come out. Yep. To me, that's, like, a, a number one factor for fired me. Fired up. Uh, it's catchy. Memorable. Yeah, something that you're, like, humming after you leave the arena or okay. watch the wrestling television show. It fits the wrestler, maybe, that's yes. using it. That's a criteria, right? It has to fit the wrestler, yeah. Okay. It can't be, like boring i don't know how to explain it it's like sometimes with these themes right you know what i mean like where it's just like it's so boring that you're like why is this who gives a shit about this guy <laughs> oh yeah there's a lot of those yeah. actually and we'll probably see some of them in the worst yeah uh, i think yeah being annoying would be a bad quality as well right right like definitely being, just sounding be, just being annoying in general <laughs> yeah. all right well why don't we now find out what's going on here because we're gonna have our first two entrants here so without any further uh preamble why don't we find out who drew number one. Woo! Oh. Rick, Nature Boy Flair, that's, 2001 Space Odyssey theme. That's the theme. What is it like? Also, Space. I don't know. It, it, it's, it's from 2001, the movie. It's the Dawn section, yeah. yeah. Which is a fun movie, by the way. I, I love that movie, too. I didn't know you liked that movie. Yeah, it's good. It's so good. Stop, Dave. Stop. <laughs> Dave. All right, so Ric Flair's theme is uh, playing under us as we speak, which is right. fine with me. So Ric Flair used this song the most out of all his themes, and this is the I one mean, that was he used nominated this back at like the first Starcade. Oh yeah, like, yeah, in the he, early eighties, even before that. I, I think. think he was using this in the seventies, wasn't he? The movie came out in nineteen sixty-nine or, or, or yeah. Eight, yeah, something like that. And Ric Flair is pretty much now. If you hear this song and you're a wrestling fan. Now, I don't know about the common fan, right? Mm-hmm. But if you hear this song and you're a wrestling fan, you obviously are going to instantly think Ric Flair. And you know what is so cool about this, like the way that this is attached to him, mm-hmm. is the fact that no one could ever use it again, even though it's like just a common like theme or whatever. Right, sure. Like sometimes WWF or you know any wrestling promotion, sometimes they do reuse themes over the years. Oh, yeah, of but course they do. But this is one of those where it's just, that's Ric Flair. Yeah. And like I think it even hurts people like Charlotte who comes out to like a modified version. I always thought she should have her own damn theme. She shouldn't be using her dad's theme. Well, like, there's a lot of things of Ric Flair's that they allude to, you know, the figure right. eight and the whole genetically superior. So I mean that's part of the gimmick, I think. I get it. The it's robes. Just, I mean, like the other thing about this theme, Joe, is that it denotes like greatness. Yeah. And Ric Flair's character is all about greatness like excellence uh in sports in everything and in talking in wealth yeah and wealth is another one in lifestyle in general sure it's such a grandiose theme that like to me it just embodies rick flair there's even little touches to his entrance that i've always liked from the beginning right here's two things right off the bat he's got these robes that are like glistening in the spotlight like and he does the turn and everything right but not only that, the other thing 
that it's a nice touch that I always noticed mm-hmm. is that when he comes in the ring, the ref holds the ropes for him because he's so fucking awesome. Yeah, like, you know what? That's that's a nice touch. I and I think it just goes with the whole entrance, and I think it matches the music. Sure. And I just think that that is such an integral part of the Ric Flair character. It's like even the ref has reverence for him. Like, as this, like, <laughs> grandiose music is playing, it's like, it's like holy shit, this guy's a big fucking deal. Right. Like, I mean, yeah. it certainly sounds like the entrance for someone that is a big fucking deal. Right. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Now, there was a WWF modified version of it, which it wasn't nominated, so it doesn't count. I don't know why they picked this, because this 2001 <laughs> music, yeah. isn't it, like, pretty, like public domainy like isn't it it's not nobody owns that shit right i don't know i don't think it's public domain is it i thought it's like some orchestra thing that's like it's so old maybe that music is from like the late 1800s or something i don't know and it's modified maybe but maybe i'm just making that up in my head but it sounds like something orchestrated that had existed you know what? It was orchestrated in 1896 in Frankfurt. I figured, yeah. <laughs> Good it, call, Quinn. You can just tell by the style yeah. of the song like that it's it's old. And it was Ric Flair, like we said, folks. He used it much of his career. It wasn't his only song. He had the WWF version of it. But not only that, he did have some weird-ass music in the mid-80s sometimes in NWA and elsewhere. Didn't he have sometimes. some weird pop music for a while? I know in the back of my mind that he did, and I gotta not, find it I'm now. I'm not sure about that. I think he did. But that's gotta be rare instances. It's not, yeah. it's not common. I don't know that it's one of my top 10, though. Really? Maybe it is. I don't know. I think top 10 music for a lot of people is where the song is so intertwined with the wrestler yeah. that, like, the minute you hear, dun, dun, yeah. like, you just Rick fucking Flair. I mean, like, it's like, oh, shit. If anything sounded like Ric Flair, right. this does. Right. And there's even just, like, a... I know this sounds maybe stupid because Ric Flair's character isn't like a tough guy, but at the same time, there the way you can play this in a certain way when he makes like a save or something, where like you're like, oh, that guy's in trouble. He's making like, a save when they're playing this slow song. How do they have time for it? They've to done queue it. Up? WCW did it before. Well, they times, would, wouldn't yeah. they? But people would like the crowd would go nuts because they're like, oh shit, Ric Flair's coming out. Right. Like, right. You know what I mean? I think it's a great song. Yeah. This is another snippet of it here, but it just sounds like flair. Yeah. I mean, it's, it embodies his character. Yeah. I mean, ugh. it's going to be tough to see, though, because I don't know what else there is. There's going to be nine other I mean, songs yeah. that go against it. What's funny, too, is like I'm looking at the graphic on the YouTube video. Yeah. Even that is like, it fits even that music, which is bizarre, but it's like this like Ric Flair, and he's like in a black and gold robe, and there's like gold around him, and like you're just like, damn like That's, shit <laughs> like it just makes sense this song makes sense for someone like rick flair right don't you think in mm-hmm. all seriousness i mean i can't think of a better theme song for this guy and i can't think of a better more enduring song there's there's uh, again it's maybe not one of my personal favorites but when you think about theme music and wrestling there's a reason that uh so many people voted because i think a lot of songs just resonate with people yeah and clearly this one resonated with a lot of people yeah the last other one more thing i want to say about yeah, this song that's specific is that while it's also grandiose in used in such a fashion it can be emotional and i think his retirement was a good example <sighs> like i just this song playing was just like i think it did choke people up when he was when he was finally retiring 
you know, in WF, I mean, not in TNA yeah, and any TNA, of that shit. But, like, <laughs> I just mean that, like, when he was, like, there was people, like, crying when this music was playing for the last time and he right. was, like, kind of going out. And there's just, like, there's just, like, that's Ric Flair, man. It's, like, and that's the last time we're going to see him. Yeah, that's fair, Quinn. Yeah. I won't hold that against you. But good song. Um, yeah. Not surprised that it made the top ten, honestly. Yeah. I expected it to, and it obviously did. But we're going to have another one coming out now. This is going to be number two. So why don't we all find out exactly what drew number two? Oh. Ooh. Oh, boy. Now, The Undertaker. This one here is the one from 98 that you love, Quinn. This is my favorite Undertaker theme. A lot of people specified with The Undertaker theme that it was the mid-90s one, and, if, and I don't know if this is specifically the one they meant, don't and some you, people didn't say anything. Just so. listen for a second, and you'll know why this is the <laughs> fucking one right here. This is one of them, yeah. So good! It really is. Now, this is your favorite Undertaker theme, right? Dude, out of all the Undertaker. come out to this, especially, like, also, because in late 90s Raw... There was yeah. a lot of save situations. Right, of course. And when this fucking music would hit, <laughs> I'd just be like, mm, get yeah. him, Undertaker. Like, <laughs> it is good music. Yeah. Obviously, The Undertaker used a variation of the funeral march, I guess it was. And offhand, I don't know the name of it. Can um, you just turn it up for one second? Yeah, of course, Quinn. This is the part, my, this part right here. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. So he used a variation of the funeral march for a long time in his career, obviously. Right. And by 1998, this was a totally adapted from it, but he never lost the gong, the bong. No, and to me, this still invokes the funeral theme. Right. It's just like... It's not the same song. But it's just like a more badass and more like, kind of like active Undertaker. I don't know how else is. He's not like a zombie as Far much. more active Undertaker. He still, he still retains zombie powers. It's right. kind of like the later, like, mid-80s Marvel characters as opposed to their, like, original incarnations Ooh, in the 60s you. and 70s. Right. It's like, this is like Phase 2 Undertaker. Far more active Miss Elizabeth, right. that version of the yeah. Undertaker. Yeah. We we like to call him affectionately the, uh, your stones are so cold right. Undertaker. Right, because of <laughs> an incident. Where Brett's like, you know, your stones are so cold. Yeah. To, to Austin, then everyone comes and out. And Undertaker comes out. Yeah. That's, then, that, to this music. And then Sid comes out to, I don't know shit. I don't know shit, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, the Undertaker's theme, yeah. This was the one that got a lot of the votes, um, but I, some people were, didn't specify, mm-hmm. so I figure we'll just talk about the Undertaker's music in general, because there's so many variations of it it's it's a lot like the roseanne theme also <laughs> of theme songs because it gets a little more fancy every yeah. like every iteration like his, and i always noticed that his music would change when there'd be like a derivation in his powers like oh that's at, true when he like, gained powers for yeah, example like when he died for the first time and he came out to like a little thing, different You're music right. like yeah because in 1990 it was just dung but then in 1994 he died and when yeah. he came back his music had lightning or thunder or something yeah it had like powers in the music and then this music came about like like kind of like where like the wf was heating up and he became a little more like rough when he was also undertaker 200 right <laughs> yeah well i did this music carry over to like ministry of darkness devil taker or whatever he was we can certainly find out can't we yeah because <laughs> I, 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 I swear there was a change Let's find out. No, this one has like chanting in it. One of the and one of the like, great things about this segment this season, folks, is yeah. we can play music on the fly right. because it's relevant. 
So it's like kind of it's the same a, thing, but a little different. It's a little sinister. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's got like a sinister underpinning to it. But it's also very similar to Kane's theme. Yeah. In, in the same tempo, because that says Jim Johnson's not that well, creative. Well, it should be. They're brothers. No, Shut that, up. No, no, but that actually, to me, <laughs> if you're going to pick a music for the brother of The Undertaker, yeah. you better make it somewhat similar. I love Kane's yeah. theme, too, but I don't know if that made it. We'll find out later on in the season. But man, The Undertaker, yeah, you're right. Anytime there was a derivation or some kind of addition to his powers or his character <laughs> or his outfit, All there right. was always a change with the music. Like, remember when he died the second time? That would be uh, SummerSlam 96. And then he came back and he's and, uh, buried alive, man. Or the buried, yeah, sorry, yeah. October '96, and he came back as Dracula Taker, right? Which was a but, precursor to Undertaker 200. Was that that was Stones Are So Cold Taker? Was after the buried thing? Yeah, but he had the wings. Remember for like a little a while, a little bit, not that long. <laughs> oh, that didn't last very long. Well, good thing because yeah. he looked like an idiot. <laughs> no offense, but but yeah, I mean, the Undertaker's music in general was always like part of his his entrance is his like character it is no i totally agree now his current one let's see like the latest the latest 2019 version yeah pretty basic because i think they're going for nostalgia like yeah so we got the i don't think there's as much guitar in it anymore (laughs) there should be now the bong never left right even when he used american badass and Roland. right they always started with the bong, well, remember? That's the, that's the, you know, the Undertaker's coming right. noise. Now, you know yeah, what? This is this is more like a little bit of nostalgia, a little bit of up-tempo from the first version, but like, it's like uh, like a happy medium, I think. I think there's a horn quartet playing this. And not strings, no. also. A organ. Will you say this? I, one thing about this music, Joe. Yes, sir. Even with Undertaker, like, literally being Undertaker 9000 now because he is 9000, <laughs> like, yes, it still works when he comes out, even as an old man. Like, because, like, yeah. of what his character no, is, does. what his music is, there's still, like, he's intimidating, even though, you know, when he takes the fucking robe off, he looks like an old motherfucker. But, like, I'm saying that, like, before he takes it off... Like, he still looks like he could kill you. Right. Uh, you know what I mean? Because yeah. his music's playing, too. The thing is, now, you know, he's always walked slow with this music. Now that he has no choice, that's yeah. just how fast he walks now. See, he thought it right right <laughs> at day one. He's like, I, I'm like old proof. I'm going to use the uh, theme. Yeah. Like, he That's playing the long game. Yeah, that, it is. <laughs> I'm telling you. He's, that's why I always joke to you. Like, as much as you get annoyed when he comes back, I'm always like, but he can. Because yeah, like, shut up. Like, I know. You're right, though. Like, it's not like he's the kind of character that needs to be, like, fast or, like, good. That's like, really he just, true. He just has powers, and, like, that's it. He played the long game back in yeah. 1990. He's like, if I do if it I, really slow, I can wrestle until 2020. Yeah, exactly. That'd be insane, by the way, if he's... If he wrestled one more match in 2020. Oh, my God. The amount of decades this man will have wrestled Listen, in. Listen, I know we crap on him a lot, but I gotta give him props in one sector while we're just talking about The Undertaker yeah, in go general. Ahead. Go ahead. I have to hand it to him, even though he's very poor in the ring. <laughs> now, still, yes. I, I have to hand it to the old man to get in there still and, like, risk bodily harm. Oh, like, man, especially that, that, that Goldberg that, match. Yeah, at that age. Like, I'll, I'll just, I'll have to hand it. He's got balls, let's put it that way. He does. They're probably yeah. a little lower than they used to be. Right. Due to the effects of gravity. But, right. yeah, I agree with you, Quinn. And I think his music, any iteration of it, whether it's 1991 mm-hmm. and... and the era that he wrestled in in 91, 92, or the unfortunate new gen era, right. or the attitude era, or the post-attitude era, what's that called? The betrayal era, what's uh, it called? Ruthless aggression. Uh, 
averted something. I don't know what it is. <laughs> the Katie Vick era. Yeah. You know, that era. Uh, or whether it's now, the music for The Undertaker, much in the same way for Ric Flair, is rather timeless. Yes. And it works. So I salute him on this that. This is a hard starting rank, to be honest it with is, you. And it is. Because these are two iconic songs. I think it literally could go either way. Well, it's ranking time. Ric Flair's theme has one minor... No, I can't even say. I was going to say The Undertaker. Compared to The Undertaker, I mean, they're both kind of slowish themes. Yeah, but here's what I was going to say, right? That Ric Flair's theme is, you know, commercial music already. But technically, The Undertaker's initial theme was based on, I just can't think of the name of it, but it's a real song. The son is called Marche Funebre by Frédéric Chopin. Oui, oui, oui. Croissant. Rendezvous. Shut the fuck up, Glass Joe. Parlez-vous scrambled eggs, Grandma. Funeral March by whoever. Well, the funny part is both of these are actual, like, orchestrated things that had existed for many years before. From other centuries where people actually dressed like The Undertaker does now. (laughs) Right. So he was right in in character, really. When they wore capes and shit, like, normally. Like, that was just a thing (laughs) Yeah, when there were druids. Yeah. (laughs) And Ric Flair, too, was around. He's got a smoking robe on. Like, that that was in in when that song was written. Well, I think there's cave paintings of Ric Flair, right? (laughs) That is true. I mean, (laughs) I, I remember when Ric Flair just had, like, a leopard... Like Kobe, yeah. because that's all there really was. The 2001 is really BC in his yeah. music, you know? <laughs> that's when he started. <laughs> it's real. Uh, but as far as the songs look, when they are both enduring, like right. long lasting themes that both guys when, have used in some way, shape, hit, or form. You know who it is. Yeah, and even Flair, I mean. Even before they added the woo at the beginning. I was going to just say like, that. Even before, it didn't matter. It's like, durr. Like, even just that durr. Like, not even, dun, Like, it's just, you you knew. Can you, can you do that again? Durr. Not what? Dun, uh, yeah, okay. Dun. So, like, yeah, the durr, like, not the den. At the durr, they know. <laughs> they know it's fucking You don't even need to fucking wait for the den. How yeah, about that? Just the durr. See, that's... <laughs> but what about the Undertaker bong? But they both have a distinct... Uh, pink, Something, yeah. Yeah, a little uh, kickoff there, a little... That's a if you notice, kickoff show that are making that if you notice in all the best music that is usually there's something at the beginning like Sean's like for just Sean's for example like dun, 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 dun. everyone knows who the fuck it is right after that or Bret Hart dun, dun, dun. or Bret Hart it's like yeah right everyone knows or even the first note of like the shortened version of Hogan's music yeah yeah it just yeah like you just know and then Savage's fanfare that ramps up you know yeah hey. Mouth noise morons. Maybe shut your dumb faces, okay? But which one is a better entrance theme, Quinn? See, that that is what is so going to be hard, like the hardest part about all of this. Like, I think it's going to be one of the hardest rankings, like, all season. I think so, too. And I think that um, the amount of names that people probably wanted to be in this mm-hmm. versus only 10 make it, this is going to be a very intense one. Okay, I'll give an edge. Um, for one thing, for Ric Flair here. Oh, okay. I was, was going to go Undertaker. Well, so you what can do, go Undertaker. You I'll got? go Ric Flair. I think that Ric Flair's is actually, believe it or not, because we're talking about two people who are around forever. Ric Flair's is much longer lasting at this point, um, by, just by history's sake. I mean, he's been around forever. People still know it's Ric Flair. It's also because Ric Flair just wrestled longer, though, Quinn. But my point is, is Ric Flair's been retired now since what 2011 ish? Like, well, along- in, the, in the WF since 08. 08, and I'm counting TNA, so he hasn't really wrestled I since no one like else counts 10 TNA. or 11. Yeah, something like that. The last time he ever really wrestled, right? Right, sure. And still, when Ric Flair comes out for those, like, reunion shows, you know, when, you know, they just wave and say hi or whatever. Sure. Like, they still know. 
Like <laughs> they wave and say even hi. like <laughs> no, like even the kids in the crowd know that that's Ric Flair. Yeah, but the same's going to be true. I have a bold prediction: the same will be true for the Undertaker in twenty years I agree. too. You know, no, I mean, I, it will. No, it's true. It's just I just mean to say is that it's just a longer lasting impact because it, literally he's been around longer and to to last that long is impressive. I'll give you that. Yeah, I will give you that. I think the Undertaker though, as much as Ric Flair's theme embodies him the undertakers that that is the perfect theme right i mean the undertaker thing. the difference here is that it's like built for an entrance like and it was designed that way from the beginning like he was well yeah a lot of his character when he started was all entrance yeah i mean starting especially around 92 93 i'm saying even when he first like the first first came out they showed like kids all scared or bored, whatever, like, and they pretended the, they were scared. Like, can you play that, Close like... that, youngster! Can you play what? that, like, the simple funeral march that was, like, his original, original... Yeah. That one's actually, like, in a weird way, it's more haunting because it's more basic. Okay, sir. Is this it? Yeah. This is it's, it. It's when it hits that, like... Yeah, the creepy organ. Yeah. I know what you mean. But I don't think that... I don't think Flair... Look, this, this isn't this it. This is the one! Okay, yeah. No. Just, it was just, I, I just remember it starting more abruptly. Only at Survivor Series 90, they like cut off the bong or something. Yeah, it's weird. I don't remember the bong being in the original, original. Yeah. But anyway, this creepiness, like, is just another factor that works right into the entrance. That's what I'm saying. I just think that there is something, I can't put my finger on it, but there's something about the Undertaker's entrances in general, whether it's this one or the mid-90s or late-90s or whatever. It's just a cut above Ric Flair's. Hmm. I, I really I mean, think Undertaker's so. Undertaker's got druids. Ric Flair's got girls. Yeah, but I and mean, both of those things make sense within their characters, right? Yeah. But in terms of the music, Flair's is great, no doubt. I think the Taker's is a little bit better. I think you, it's more befitting. Do you think one of the things that adds to the Undertaker's is that there's like an evolution of the song in each iteration of the Undertaker? Yes. As he, as he like as he progresses through his career, I do. Yeah, um, and and Ric Flair's like I mean, although Ric Flair's is designed to be timeless, diamonds like, are forever, and yeah, so is Ric Flair. Right, so why would his theme change? Correct, like, exactly. No, that makes sense. But does that make it better? It's like maybe does that say that Ric Flair's song is better that they don't have to change it? Is my point like nope. that it's so perfect that mm. they don't even have to touch it? And when they did, it sucked. I don't know, Quinn. That's a mm. fair point, but right. I think my gut instinct on this one is that the Undertaker's theme. If I hear the dong, right, <laughs> the bong yep. or the gong, whatever you want to call it. And then he makes an entrance. And again, whether it's lights on 1991 to fight Hulk Hogan, mm-hmm. whether it's lights off 1993 to fight Giant Gonzalez at SummerSlam or whatever, or 95 to fight IRS or 97 to fight Sid for the world title or Bret Hart for the world title, or whether it's 98, you know, to fight Steve Austin, right. or whether it's 2001 or, or whenever you use it, 2004 to fight Kane at but WrestleMania I mean, you can 20. Name all these same kind of things about Ric Flair, too. I can. Yeah. The difference is is that Undertaker's theme just has this quality where now I'm ready for the match. Whereas Flair's to me, it's a good theme. I really like it. It makes sense, but it doesn't get me it doesn't give me that same je ne sais quoi. It doesn't that the Undertaker's does. Here's the thing I will say one one disadvantage for the Undertaker. I think the earlier themes are not as pump you up as the later themes. But I, I, I agree. I think Ric Flair's always pumps me up that's the one thing i can say about it from beginning to end it's fair even when he was an old fucking guy fart yeah old (laughs) fart man um he was like i i would hear that music and i'd be like respect respect like this is the guy he can beat anybody you know what i mean 
Yeah, but you could say the same about The Undertaker. He, this yeah, is the guy that's going to beat there, anybody. There's something awe-inspiring about The Undertaker's just as much as Ric Flair's in a different way. I know. Um, that's that's what I'm getting at, is that I think The Undertaker's theme yeah, I is think, better. I think in this case, I think it doesn't matter which one we rank higher, because I think some segment of the fan base will be upset either way we go. I think that there's going to be a lot of uh, wet eyes about this whole season, because considering that there's only 10 there are bound to be a dozen themes that people wanted it to make it that they just didn't. And probably yeah. we're going to be upset about some stuff that didn't make yeah, it. In a weird way, The Undertaker's... Um, this is this is a weird way to look at it, but in a weird way, The Undertaker's theme is more like New Age than Ric Flair's. And I think that... It, <laughs> new Age. What I, what, why I'm saying that... I'm listening. ...is because I think this is one of those situations, too, that it depends on what kind of music you prefer for your wrestler. Do you prefer this awe-inspiring respect, respect, respect music like Ric Flair, or do you prefer this, like, creepy, and they can modify it, and, like, it's it can go with the times kind of thing, like, where right, Ric Flair's right. is, like, more like it never changes? Yeah, I, I love the 98 theme. The, one the 98 theme is, like... Here incredible for that alone i think i could put it that's, above flair that's the one that i think will elevate it for me too okay. although i feel like bad about it like i don't <laughs> like to me this is one of those ones where like emotion comes into play and like it's really hard to work with the science on this one well quim we are scientists here and this is what we're here to do is scientifically rank these things right i can't say i haven't cried to rick flair's theme Meaning that, like, when he retired, I, I was, like, very, like, emotional. I know, like, that's one of the only times that I ever got emotional in wrestling. Like, I was like, this is sad. Like, I, I was like, I, Ric Flair, just, he should always be around. Whatever. That's, he hasn't that's, gone that's, anywhere. That's another story, but but he's not, he hasn't been in the ring in, like, ten years. Good. Like, yeah. Not that that's a, yeah, I'm not saying that's bad, but I'm just saying that it's, like, it, it there's something about it. It's, like, it's, like, a part of my childhood is cut out for some reason. Are we putting The Undertaker as number yeah, one, though? Yeah, we can go with The Undertaker. That makes me very happy. So, for the first week here of the Royal Rankings of Finishers, we've got mm. at number one... I like this music. The Undertaker. And at number two, Ric Flair. That is where we're at right now. The greatest wrestling theme of all time, as of for now, Quinn, is really The Undertaker. according to this music. He really earned it, yeah. according to Paul Bearer, <laughs> as right. well. So he earned it two ways. <laughs> So uh, next week, stay tuned for the uh, the first two of the flush. And obviously, as we go along this season, we're going to be finding out who the best is, who the worst is. But Quinn, when we come back, speaking of The Undertaker, Survivor Series 94 oh, is upon us. But God. <laughs> Again? But before we get to that, we've got to do some slamming on Sunday night. It is a Sunday night slam. And that'll be coming up right after this. was taken away in his prime and walked where no other man has been. Now, he has returned. <laughs> Monday night, August 29th, Domino's Pizza delivers SummerSlam, a live World Wrestling Federation pay-per-view event. So hot, it's scary. I will not rest in Hi, this is Jameson. Remember me? Yeah, me neither. You're listening to Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. It's the best.
And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. We're here for episode number 151. And, Quinn, before we do that, though, before we get to this Sunday Night Slam that I know you love so much. Oh, it was beautiful. <laughs> there are some podcasts out there that we love so much, and we want to shout them out for you, some friends of the show. Starting with the wrestling podcast about nothing. It's actually about something. Yeah, it's about Alleg- wrestling. Allegedly. Yeah, it's about wrestling. Not according to the name. No. Uh, and it's hosted by two guys. One of them is a retired referee. I heard the last match he ref. It's recorded on Cave somewhere. Yeah, there you go. With Rick, it was Ric Flair. It was, was uh, it. it was the painting right next to the Ric Flair painting. <laughs> a couple <laughs> years later, they did that one. <laughs> Only a couple. And it's hosted by, uh, uh, co-hosted by Brian Malonis, who is actually a wrestler, Quinn, that goes by the name the... Uh, the brawler, Brian yeah, Malonis. he's really active, and he's really into wine, um, so much so that he's from a city named Wine City. And wine wa- City. And he wails on people. Yeah, he wails on people. Uh, so check out the wrestling podcast about nothing. These are guys that have worked in the business, but they also grew up as fans. So you're going to get a good perspective on the inside of the business, but uh, from the outside as well, WPAN, the wrestling podcast about nothing. Then on Thursdays, if you like your critically acclaimed shows... It's a drama of epic proportions. If you liked the show 30-something... If you liked the HBO drama Succession... If you liked Moonlighting... Yes. You will love Pete Winston's Greetings from Allentown, because what he does is there's only one of him. There's not two. Like, there's me and Quinn. Like, that's a different person. I'm, I'm Joe, and that's Quinn. Yeah. Hi. We're two different people. Right. But Pete, there's only one Pete. And what he'll do is, throughout the course of his show, which is maybe an hour and a half or so, he'll take an episode of old wrestling, and he'll talk about it, but mostly not talk about it at the same time. It's, it's really not about that. It's not about the wrestling. Even though it is. All, it's really hard to explain. Just listen to it's it. It's all happening at the it's same fine. time. It's a, there's a lot going on. It's, that, it's, and that's really why the critics are all over it. I mean, there's, there's yeah. like, this got depth to it, you know? There's a lot of depth. There's so a lot of depth. Check out Greetings from Allentown. Uh, and also, if you like your retro wrestling slathered in barbecue sauce... You can check out Mike Mills and booking the territory because what he does, Quinn. Does he book a territory? He does, that's the thing. He doesn't do any booking. Okay. But he, <laughs> he goes south of the Mason and Dixon line. Yep, both. Both of them. Yeah, that, that's pretty deep. You have to cross both yeah, lines. It's, it's, it's intense. <laughs> and he reviews the. Uh, they go through the Smoky Mountain wrestling. Okay. And they go through the WCW NWA. You know, I've heard late of those 80s. things. Yeah. yeah. So that's the uh, Southern Wrestling, Southern Fried Wrestling podcast. They're the unprofessional wrestling podcasts. So please check out our three friends of the show. We're talking about the wrestling podcast about nothing, greetings from Allentown, and booking the territory. But Quinn, New York is our specialty. The WWF. The WF. You love it. Well, (laughs) sometimes. Now, do you remember back in the early 90s? Yeah, I remember those days. Before a pay-per-view, usually maybe a week before, on the Sunday before, they would use um, their USA Network time slot Mm -hmm. to run something to hype up the pay-per-view. And I'm talking about your... SummerSlam Spectaculars in 91 and 92. Or, yeah, before they had, like, free-for-all right. or whatever pre-show thing they do. They had the Survivor Series showdown. There was the march to WrestleMania. Yeah, it would basically be an excuse to just talk about the pay-per-view for an hour. Correct, and show little matches and stuff like that. Well, for whatever reason, in 1994, they did a couple of these. They did one in August, and they did one uh, in November before Survivor must Series. A, must have had a deal with the United States of America <laughs> Network, Yeah, right. right. And they also did one in March of 95, right before WrestleMania 11. Rather than name them after the pay-per-view, you know, the SummerSlam Spectacular or whatever, they just called them the Sunday Night Slam. Right. And this one was the one, November 20th, 1994, to hype up Survivor Series 94. A lovely pay-per-view. Yeah, Um, now, if you're newer to the show, 
This Quinn and I both started watching right around this time. I had started right. watching in the summer, and you were like watching the, right January, January of ninety five. Like, yeah, so I mean, this stuff. Well, I mean, they told me about this bullshit, right? Like, like it was like, still it was fresh still, in their it was minds, fresh enough that like it was talked about, right? Back in the mid nineties, too, there was a lot of referencing their own like recent history, like it's a lot, real, like, yeah, the, the more so than other eras. Absolutely. Like, nowadays, they won't even talk about a year ago. Back it's then, very rare. They yeah. talk about two or three years ago, sure. like commonly. Yep. And the summer, the uh, Survivor Series '94 is most notable, I guess, for two things: Bob Backlund versus Bret Hart in a submission match that, that is horrible. That I've heard people really like. I don't. We, I like Bret. You and me. Not, I don't know if on this show, but I know you and me have watched it over again just to be fair, like together. Yes, we to have. Just see if it like, and it was. It's just. It's I just horrendous. don't like it. I'm yeah. sorry, everyone. Well, I mean, the problem is, is that it's rest holds the whole time. Uh, it's just not my style. Yeah. yeah. But not only that, there was also Chuck Norris. Now, when Chuck Norris is at your event, maybe that might be a big deal. You know, people like Chuck Norris. Does that matter that much even no. in 1994? Like, maybe in 1984, but... <laughs> 1974. Yeah. So, that's going on. And this is a weird period of time, too, because we are post-steroid trial. We are definitely post-Hogan. Randy Savage has just left. Mm-hmm. WCW does not have Nitro yet. That's about a, a little mo- less than a year away. They can say at least that they're better than baseball. and they, <laughs> But they have Hulk Hogan. Yeah. They've done Hogan Flair. They have Randy Savage coming in. And WCW is starting little by little to creep up to WWF's radar. I don't know. I wouldn't say it's little anymore because the yeah, Macho Man is a big... That was like... Once they had that, it was like, wow, they got like everyone yeah, that's that true. WWF had. That's true. But... At the same time, the WWF is running these small venues. I don't even want to say the word arena. No. These small venues, you know, and, and kind of what we call the aircraft hangar era. The aircraft hangar, which they're like slightly bigger, like Hamburg and Allentown <laughs> arenas, essentially. Yeah, right, right. Generally, there's some kind of like casino affiliation I always notice in yes, the background or yes. like resort. Uh-huh. Like it's like something like that. And so this like, will- maybe it's like Vince's Country Club, like. <laughs> Some big building on the grounds. And this will be no exception as yeah. far as resorts are concerned. So what we have here is Sunday Night Slam. And why don't we just get into it, Quinn? This is available uh, not anywhere. So if you want it, let us know. WWF Sunday Night Slam from November the 20th, 1994. And I can already smell the heel Tatanka before I even turn this on. Yeah. Because <sighs> anytime we cover this era... You're that, guaranteed to it, get a it mention. Com- a mention, it comes up somehow. That turncoat or yeah, something, you know, it. it's bad. I hate that feud so much. Tatanka Luger. And you know what? Honestly, I didn't even know much about that feud until you put it on <laughs> me. And then it never, like, you the, can't the escape stench it. of it never, like, left me. Since the first episode, we've been dealing with this. Yeah. And we still it's deal with it sometimes. Yeah, it really yeah. doesn't. Cold open a ringside where Stan Lane welcomes us. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, Stan Lane. Why? He's pretty good. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Sunday Night Slam. God, he was all the way. Hi, fans. He was already on his way out the door. Like, I remember <laughs> I got the WF yearbook in 95, and he was, like, on the last page of it. And, like, and I was leaving. Like, and yeah, I don't. I hadn't even seen him in a show. <laughs> it's a side that profile point. of him leaving. I literally was like, who even is this? Like, is this on some weird, like, syndicated that I've never seen? Yeah, like, Stan- that's literally what I yeah. thought when I saw that in the magazine. Honestly, I understand, Quinn, because Stanley didn't do a lot of stuff, but he did do some appearances on Superstars and Coliseum. He was usually with Gorilla right. or JR sometimes. Weird that Gorilla was, like, always his partner, yeah. generally. Well, Gorilla liked working with all different people. <laughs> right. Uh, and here, his partner is Gorilla Monsoon, Quinn. Well, you can take that to the bank, guaranteed. 
and already I'm asking, is this the one where like Gorilla calls Patterson fat? Because like <laughs> anytime they're paired, that's like all I remember. Like literally, like that incident. <laughs> oh, is that Pat Patterson? Why did he get fat? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jim Cornette enters the ring now <sighs> to introduce the Heavenly Bodies. And he's acting all annoying. And by the way, the Heavenly Bodies have like the new foundation <laughs> theme. Doom. Doom, doom, doom. Speaking of entrance themes, yeah, that one like, stinks. It's terrible. It just sounds like metal. It sounds like somebody's like using wrenches to tighten yeah, something up. I like don't literally know. metal. Like, what is this, the ring crew? This is tool time? Yeah, I don't know. So we're in Bushkill, Pennsylvania at the Fernwood Resort, which uh, from what I could find out, Quinn, appears to have been a ski lodge in Dapokonos. We should do an OVP <laughs> convention at this fucking place. Because it's closed. It's, it's I like, looked, it's closed. It's like, it's like every, I've seen this place way too many times. Bush, yeah, yeah, in Bushkill. Yeah. I know. Uh, whopping 1,500 people. <laughs> People in attendance wow. here. Thrilling. <laughs> now, this was also used as like a superstars taping and other yeah. stuff like that. Jimmy Del Rey has ultra shitty hair, by the way, as Stan Lee warns us that we're going to be hearing from Todd Bendigo later. Good thing he warned us. That <laughs> would not be a surprise I want to hear. Now, we had a cold open, but now we go to the actual intro for this, which just some shitty song that Jim Johnston probably had cobbled <laughs> together from old demos in 1990. It's very like free for all S, yeah. even down to like the spinning cube thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like literally, I'm wondering if. Like when they started doing the free for alls, they just reused this graphic and then just whatever thing they just typed a different thing on it. Like you know what I mean? Like because it's like a generic font. It's that very spins bad. Some cube that exists in their like animation it, library. Yeah, yeah, which is a small library. I think yeah. at that point anyway. Exactly. right? Exactly. Gorilla Monsoon, of course, is in high voice mode. Oh, by boy. the way, and- Heavenly Bodies got their new wings. Of course, uh, came out of that altercation with the smoking guns about a couple of months ago. And- We'll, we'll talk about that later, yeah. Uh, gunshots go off, and the smoking guns now make their way out in their, you know, cowboy vests and all that they shit. They look like 43-year-old guys who work at a convenience store. Like, I, they do not look like wrestlers at Those all. mustaches and the mullets made them look so old. The white shirts. Yeah, once like, they shaved and yeah. cut their hair. Once they shaved and cut their hair, it was like awesome. a dramatic <laughs> difference. Like, it was like, wait, these guys are 20? Yeah. Like, it's like, well, I didn't even know that. The, like, when I was a kid, I thought they were like, my dad's age. <laughs> they like, look old. Yeah, it's just like, what are these old men? Like, why? How did? Like, I would like seriously look at them, and I'm like, can my dad do these moves? Right. Like, because they Probably looked not. like our parents. Yeah, like, they, they did. Didn't, they didn't look like they were like just a little bit older like than us, twenty eight like, or whatever yeah, they were. Like, you know? Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> they look so old. <laughs> now, I honestly, Quinn, I don't mind the smoking guns. I, I no, don't know I about like you. Them too. They're yeah. a good team, right? Yeah. The problem is that this era. Tag team wrestling, just their division was like poopy by it was 94. Terrible, yeah. For the most part. But uh, some ladies wearing a giant foam yeah, hat, Quinn. That big dumb hat shit that they sold forever. It was now, bad. Did that start as a Macho Man hat? I'm pretty sure they just reused it and then just they went to the company and said put smoking guns on it yes. instead of Macho. I'm serious. I'm pretty sure because when it was Savage's hat, it was green. And this one's red. Yeah, I think it's the same mold or whatever. It's the same mold and they yep. just said change the color and put smoke. And it was probably really cheap for them to produce yep, that. I think you're right. Uh, bodies jump at the bell here. Double team on Bart, but he slingshots Billy into the ring for a double lariat there. Double drop kicks down by the guns, and the bodies are bailing to regroup. Billy and Tom Pritchard go at it. A kip up by Kip and an arm drag. Uh, Mike Kyoto is the ref, and seriously, Gorilla won't stop yelling. It's so bad. He's job. like, ah, oh, the big shootouts in San Antonio. If you haven't called your local cable company yet, I don't know what's wrong with you. What are you under a big rock somewhere? A big shootout in San Antonio this Wednesday night. If you haven't called your local cable company yet, get with it. I don't know what's wrong with you. What are you under a big rock somewhere? Well, he needs to calm down. Like. That's listen, real, we, folks. We are like massive gorilla we fans. We love them. And I have never been so annoyed with him. <laughs> ever. Watching anything. 
other than this show. Like, I'm serious. Like, it's bad. It's really <laughs> fucking bad. He's just like horrible. Yeah, believe me, folks, that's probably the crux of this review. Yeah, it gets like progressively worse. <laughs> it's true. Uh, Leapfrog by Billy, Crisscross a Bulldog by Billy Gunn. Now, Gorilla's Calling Moves, my, my pet peeve, even though. Stan Lane is yeah. the lead play-by-play guy. And Stan Lane is, like, also calling moves. Like, yeah, that's like, what I mean. Right, but what I mean by that is, like, literally Gorilla will call move, and then, like, right after him, Stan Lane will call the same move. A uh, hip toss! A uh, hip toss there! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's that's, like, so it's, like, it's doubled up. That's Gorilla's fault, though, because he should know better not to call the moves. I don't know, though, because Gorilla is also being, like, so obnoxious that you can tell he's doing color. It's very rare, you're right, that we ever have a problem with Gorilla. Oh, into a crisscross now! What's gonna happen? Oh! Tagged Bart now, who gets a two count off of his brother's work. An armbar by Bart as Gorilla hypes the Guts and Glory versus Million Dollar Team match. If there's anything that says apathy, it's a fucking yeah. match at Survivor Series. It says decline to me. Seriously. Yeah. Pritchard with an eye poke and a tag to the Gigolo here, who grinds in a side headlock. Bart escapes and lands a shoulder block. Gorilla Quinn mentions the Tatanka Lex Luger feud. <laughs> Delray with a hammerlock. As, Why? As, as Gorilla says... Daddy Cool Diesel! <laughs> because, of course. I guess that one's funny just because that's Gorilla not giving a shit. I guess if you're Gorilla, like, Diesel's not that big to he, you. He isn't. <laughs> I mean, to Gorilla, Gorilla can beat anybody up in his own mind. So he doesn't want to call him big. Yeah. He's like, he's not that big to me. He's, he's just a guy that's cool. <laughs> he's daddy cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, Bart with a headlock takeover. And by the way, about Gorilla, did he have, like, a double espresso before this? <laughs> like, we were saying, he's just so annoying. He's so loud. <laughs> What a feature they've got. Intercontinental champion Razor Ramon taking on big seven-foot Daddy Cool Diesel. Roundup by the guns. What? The, the bug spray? What, <laughs> I, don't, I never heard it called that. Yeah, well, it's the, the famouser. Is the it's thing. a side slam by Bart, and Billy does like a, a famouser. famouser. Yeah, yeah, and like they call it the roundup. I didn't I'm know like, that. Excuse me? He I never heard the it. famouser. I never heard them call it that. Yeah. Like, Stan Lane called it. They, oh, the roundup there. What a good move. They both said it because they both acted like that's like a, a thing they do. Oh, yeah, of course they both said it because they're both doing play by play. Right, they have to call the same moves. <laughs> a big pop from the crowd on that, though, but Billy's posing so he only gets two, and even Lane and Gorilla are like, oh, you're dumb for that one. <laughs> they get so mad, at, especially Gorilla, because he, he's so ridiculous. Well, to, to one thing about Gorilla, mm-hmm. that usually post-Joey dying, he just doesn't have time for bullshit anymore. He doesn't have patience with, like, mistakes. Yeah, he's like, fuck you. Like, yeah. y- you should know better, you like, fucking asshole. like, this is the big leagues. Like, don't fuck <laughs> off. Like, he's so mad. <laughs> he's so fucking mad. It's real, folks. Yeah. Uh, Irish whip by the gigolo here, and Pritchard pulls down the rope on the outside, so Bart tumbles to the outside. Classic heel work. Mm-hmm. Bodies double teamed for a while. Pritchard gets two off a knee drop. Bart gets a backslide for two, and of course, Gorilla is all upset that he didn't drive with the leg. Pritchard nails Billy on the apron for fun, and Kyoto gets really mad at Billy for that, so the body's yeah. double team. Did you notice, by the way, all through this show, because I think Kyoto refs another match on this, his counting the whole so fucking, fast. it's so fucking fast, yes, right? I did notice that. I didn't see any of it that we put on in our own notes, no. but like I noticed, I remember like it kept sticking out to me, like, why is he counting so fast? Now, he did have a fast count a lot in the 90s, but this is but this really is, like, fast. excessive. What, dude, yeah, it's, like, like, dude. it's like, whoa, calm the hell down. down. It's like, everyone get high in the Poconos? Yeah, what is it? What is he, Gilberto Roman? <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, really. I gotta say, Quinn, I don't mind this match. It's it's a very it's tag okay, team it's match. It's competent. I, it's I don't think it's good. The bodies are a good team. Yeah, Guns are a good team. Yeah. There's a lot of stalling, but whatever. Not really. 
I'm not arguing with you. It's not. It's not that bad. It's just not that good. I, I, I'm like indifferent to it. Like to be honest, with <laughs> I'm not saying anything so I can see how long you keep going. It's yeah, funny. Kind of keep digging a hole here, and um, yeah, no, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, Bart with an Irish whip to Del Rey, but he flips around with a beautiful tornado DDT. That was actually the best move in the match. To yeah, me. I'm not seriously. Kidding. Like it looked good. Uh, Bart is out as we go to break, and just as we're fading away, Grilly yells, "He's not moving!" Like he's like Art Donovan or something. <laughs> like it's like he like learned a thing or two from him at King of the. I'm serious. Like, Gorilla, he- is he dead? Yeah. <laughs> Like, Gorilla is obnoxious. He is. It's bad. Yeah. Uh, we're back. Pritchard's kicking some ass here. And uh, I got to be honest here. Stan Lane, really not bad at all. No, like, not at all. Like, seriously. He's competent. He calls the moves. He has a good voice. He's into the product. He knows what he's talking about. Stan Lane's really not a bad announcer. You know, when you said seriously just now, I literally had to make sure Siri didn't start talking. <laughs> That's a common blooper, folks, yeah, yeah. with Siri. Uh, Delray comes back in now with his mushy gyrations like he's Rick Rude. He's so fat Rick Rude's shitty. grandpa. Yeah. Uh, arrogant cover gets two. Gorilla again yells at us to order the fucking Survivor Series. <sighs> he and Lane, by the way, the whole thing, <laughs> whenever they talk about the Survivor Series, they won't stop making these horrible like Western puns. Like, Everyone that talks about this fucking paper, we won't stop. I know. Like at one point, girl's like, ah, oh, the shootout or something. And- <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like, stop! <laughs> He's so annoying! They're both annoying! It's bad. Chin left by Pritchard here, Bart with a jawbreaker, but Pritchard tags Del Rey, who lands a neckbreaker for two. Sunset flip now by Bart out of nowhere gets two, but the gigolo is still in control. Billy and his mustache want the hot tag. Tom Pritchard's in now again to pound away. As Bart continues to suck ass. <laughs> Like, he's, like, getting his ass whooped this whole thing. Like, for a long-ass time. Like, this hot tag is in the oven for, like, entirely too long. That's very astute of you. Bart with the clothesline now. Both men are out. Cornette pounds the mat to wake up Pritchard, which, of course, conveniently gives the fans something to clap for. Small package by Bart gets two. Delray's back in now with a spin wheel kick and a tag to Pritchard, who hits a very crappy body slam. (laughs) He goes up for a knee drop that misses, and Bart finally gets the hot tag. And Billy is a house of ass when he gets in there. <laughs> you know what's funny? I had yeah. that same Are you serious? reference. Yeah, that's, but I wanted, that's pretty you to, funny. I wanted you to have it. Right yeah, hand, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Right hands and everyone by the ass man here. Irish whip and elbows galore. Stan Lane's doing a really good job calling this. Yeah, Bart, come on. Oh, no. Yeah, he's got it. Yes, yeah, it's Yeah, he's fine. He's really not I a mean, bad announcer. And not, he should really be cal- like he needs to like calm Gorilla down. I know because like, Gorilla is. We're not saying every single thing, but he is just like high pitched, like constantly. He doesn't do his. Like, ah, yeah, <laughs> okay, get the fucking pay per view, asshole. It's real, folks. The shootout, like, and it's just like, but this tone. I'm saying there is no break in the tone. No, he There's talks like, like that. one time in the whole show where he doesn't do the tone and it's like for three seconds. And But this is like goes on for like 47 minutes straight. I'm serious. <laughs> it was hard to watch yeah. because of that. Uh, double press slam by the guns on the Pritchard. They set up the sidewinder, but Del Rey sneaks in with a super kick on Billy. Meanwhile, Pritchard covers for two. That was great. I thought that was going to be the finish, honestly. Yeah, good stuff. Corner whip by Pritchard, but Billy turns it into a hammerlock, into a sunset flip for the win. That was abrupt. It was it was abrupt, yeah. uh, but good. Seriously, an excellent little TV match there. I had no problem with that match, Quinn. It was, it was yeah, fine. It was, it was acceptable. It's just the announcers were yeah, well, really getting on my nerves Gorilla, point. really, yeah, especially. Yeah. Uh, promotional consideration paid for by... Wait, hold on a sec. Lord shit still? How?! <laughs> 
Like, how is that even like they, what? They used it. Oh my god! They used it like into when we were watching wrestling. Believe they it did, or not, didn't they? Yes. I just didn't know who he was yet. Yeah. I still hadn't gotten a Coliseum tape to yeah. see him. They used that soundbite. I mean, they, you didn't see him anymore, right? But yeah, they used well, it in '95. I, I mean, think. Yeah, I just saw him sit in that chair and Donnie Brooke. That's <laughs> about it. So it is paid for by Electronic Hotshot Basketball. Because 1994, of course. Uh, quiz Wiz. I, I kind of remember this. Yeah, with cool questions, according to them. <laughs> the coolest. And uh, Series 2 of Magic Works. It's all the same shit, as always. Like, from this, anytime we have to deal with Tatanka versus Lex Luger, <laughs> this is the kind of crap that happens. Yeah, how many times have we seen that damn Electronic Hotshot Basketball I know, ad? Like, a lot. <laughs> and even the Magic Works. Yeah, season two or Actually, whatever. Actually, the only new one two. was Quiz Whiz. Yeah, I never saw that yeah. one before. Uh, Todd narrates a promo for the Holiday Wish Tour. Uh, they show some like dumb kids face like, <laughs> like I'm not with the like bowl cut that I had like when I was a kid. So did I? And like a big sweatshirt on. Like that, know, I probably had yeah. when I was a kid. You know, there was a phase when I was that age where I like refused to wear jeans, so I wore sweatsuits like all the time. Me too. Yeah, I, I was like, they're uncomfortable. They it's, were. Like, yeah. Maybe they, maybe there was like a problem with gene production in 1994, especially when it was cold. They were like all like rigid. Yeah, I don't want to fucking wear jeans. It, it almost felt like they froze or something. Like while you were wearing them, I wore sweatsuits and um, parachute pants. Those are my big go tos. Because did you ever wear the um, the ones that like clip on the sides, yeah. like basketball pants? Yeah, or- of course. Pull-aways, I guess. pull away, yeah, breakaways. But you never broke them away, but you just thought it was cool that yeah. they did it. I had zip-off pants, it's too. Like Those multi-functioning pants. Pretty good. Mount Rushmore and Death Alley pants. That'll happen. Yeah, eventually. We'll do it if you want. Uh, Bret Hart versus King Kong Bundy on this tour. Who the hell would wish for that? That sounds literally like something that I saw the next year in a high school gym. Oh, uh, King Kong Bundy at my house. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, British Bulldog versus Bob Backlund. Thrilling. And Undertaker versus IRS. This what? is late this, 94 in a nutshell, man. Oh my man. goodness, that is a horrible card. <laughs> that, why would anyone see that? Sunday the 27th at the Gund Arena in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Uh, promo now for the Survivor Series that intersperses some, like, Western film it's footage. It's bad. <laughs> like, it's just horrible. Like, it, this is the height of them just, like, trying weird stuff that has nothing to do with wrestling. Did anyone care about Yokozuna versus The Undertaker? No. I, I didn't. Nobody cared because <laughs> that happened so long ago yeah, at this point. Too long ago. Yeah. It, <laughs> they should have done that at, like, SummerSlam yeah. or some shit. Why'd they do it here? I don't know. Well, they had to do double, because they had to, like, progress the story. It's like, well, he has to come back from the dead first before he can yeah. face Yoko, and then he faces Yoko. But it was, like, one pay-per-view too late. That's That was the problem. Why didn't they resurrect him at WrestleMania? And I think he still wanted the time off, didn't he? Mm. I don't know what they, I, I honestly don't know. But Why I, did he want to miss WrestleMania 10? That seems like something The Undertaker wouldn't usually want to miss. I like, think, was he injured, possibly? Yeah, he was just taking time. Yeah. But Undertaker, Yoko... I remember I had just gotten into wrestling, so I remember this actually being a current feud happening. And even I was like, I've seen the Royal Rumble tape, and that felt like forever ago, and it was like January history by this point. Like I don't care. I don't want to. Why do I want? Why is Chuck Norris here? Yeah, that was weird. (laughs) I I always thought it was just because the USA Network had the Chuck Norris show on it, and I was like, cross promotion or something. Well, he's also at WrestleMania Seven, so they I guess they knew him already. Big friends with him. Remember Argentina Rocca or whatever he says? It's not even true. You know what I have to say about Chuck Norris? He what? seems like the kind of guy that thinks he's a bigger star than he actually was. Oh, I don't think he thinks that. I think he's a pretty humble guy. He doesn't just, do push-ups. Like he holds the earth down. My point is, is I think they overreach with his fame. They, but not he. I don't. I, th- I think he's whoever self-aware. his agent is gets him bigger things than he should be in. Let's put it that Scott way. Scott Boris. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, him They're from the Yankees or whatever. Barry Bloom, Alex Rodriguez manager. <laughs> uh, anyway. We cut back and get to actually see the announcers now, and Stan Lane looks normal, mm-hmm. Stan Lane. Gorilla, though, 
has his big red coat on, and he is like especially large and in charge this whole segment. Yeah, and Stan basically says nothing <laughs> as like Gorilla is all bragging about Survivor Series. Hey, like, you better watch it. You better <laughs> fucking order it. It's gonna. It's the biggest thing around. It's like no, it's not. Like no one even cares. He's so fat about yeah, it too. He's like very big. He is. He looks yeah. just chubby. They're also in like the green screen oh, yeah. zone. Like yeah. they're very not there. It's not really there. Yeah. Uh, Lane throws us down to. A very good Bob Backlund Bret Hart video package, which is narrated by narrated by Gorilla, and we see footage from December twenty six eighty three. That's where the Iron Sheik defeated hey, Bob Backlund. What do you mean? These are spoilers for eighty <laughs> three. Don't want to spoil the Patreon people. And uh, he he defeated them because Skolem literally threw in a towel. And I love that they use that. That they actually. I do too. I always know? like that. Yep. Uh, I also like how in 1983 Gorilla is in the footage that 1994 Gorilla is recapping. <laughs> yeah, that was funny, that, right? That is weird because yeah. they're already like Gorilla before when he introduces says, "Oh, it was so long ago." Yeah. Like he like acts like it was like a lifetime ago, and he's in the yeah. footage. Oh, he threw on the towel like you- <laughs> ten years ago, and then like literally like it's like Gorilla's talking like in the recap. Right? It's, like how the fuck old is this? Like to a kid, ten years seems like a long oh, time. Oh my god! That to me that seemed like it was forever ago. I yeah, remember this package. Like it was like in the seventies. Yeah, to it me. looks so old. Yeah. It was a scene that for ten years would be replayed over and over in Backlund's mind. Oh no! Backlund did not submit. Arnold scored. We then see uh, July thirtieth, ninety four, where Bob Backlund, who is still a face is fighting Bret Hart on Superstars for the world title. Um, and Backlund's hair is, like, all fluffy. Like, it's, like, really fluffy. <laughs> it was very shaggy. It's right before he, like, cut it short. Yeah, it is. Yeah, he really needed a haircut. That match, by the way, is really good, unlike um, their submission yeah, match. The submission <laughs> match is poor. Uh, Backlund uh, lost because he was an idiot, and he thought he won, but he didn't, so wow. Bret rolled him up. He's rusty, Joe. He had been wrestling. He was rusty. Yeah, uh, but Bret went to shake hands. Backlund slapped him in the face, shockingly. And locked Brett in the crossface chicken wing. You know, I could see how this could actually be shocking because he literally never was a yeah. heel in WF. Although he didn't, he, as he we've, snapped as, sometimes as, in '82. Yeah, as we've seen in '82, he does have spurts of craziness. Yeah, but nothing like this. I mean, he he's never acts like a heel. Exactly. And uh, he snapped, and he started putting everyone in the damn chicken wing while ranting. This backline is so much better than the like even the. 80s for backline. Oh, like, yeah. He's like a hundred times better. This is a good angle. This he's is actually a really good angle. He's a character and he's interesting and like yeah. there's something different and he's funny also all at the yeah, same he time. Is like, funny. He's like, he's just, it's good. It's a good heel. It yeah. really is. Uh, so he put people like Lou G and Frito in it. Big uh, star. With a magazine guy. Uh, Arnold Skolin. We saw that on something. I forget. Like All American or some Maybe, shit. I don't yeah. remember. We, we saw it on something we did. We probably did. Bob Holly. Adam mm-hmm. Baum, Lex Luger, Duke Drozzi, and last week he had it on the one, two, three kid, but Brett was like, you know, why don't you fucking stop it? And he came out to break it yeah. up. Yeah. Now, you know what's funny about the Duke Drozzi one when he listed it? I can what? tell they inserted that in after the list. Like, he wasn't important enough. And then they were like, let's just make the list longer. Because Gorilla's like, oh, and Duke Darcy. Like, like all like, <laughs> really fast, quick. Like, like, they like literally inserted it into the clip. And just last week, Duke Drozzi. <laughs> yeah. Bob, Sparkplug, Holly, Adam, Bob, Lex Luger. And just two weeks ago, Duke the Dumpster Drozzi. So Backlund put Brett in the chicken wing, but he quickly releases it, and then he gets on the mic and he's taunting Brett about it. As uh, Backlund's leaving, Brett jumps him from behind and puts him in the sharpshooter in the aisle, but only for like a second. And then Brett quickly, yeah, he quickly lets go. It's like I can do it to you, yeah. you can do it to me. Like that, the, that felt very like 1997 that to me. Was, that chaos. That was pretty smart. It's like you know what's my problem with the, this feud always is. 
the match that they have the is not good. The match is awful, but the storytelling is actually it's pretty really good. really good. And, and it's just a shame that the... Like, both matches suck. The one at WrestleMania 11 Oh, even worse. Ass. Like, yeah, terrible. Like, I don't know, like, what happened. Like, why did the wrestling just, like, fall off? I don't know. But, like, the storytelling was fantastic. I don't know. But uh, Brett, of course, says, The Survivor Series. Right. Thanks. Uh, this past weekend on Superstars, Brett and Backlund were on the Heartbreak Hotel Ugh. segment. Everyone <laughs> looks dumb when they're in the Heartbreak Hotel. <laughs> like, even Sean in his own Heartbreak Hotel looks dumb. I know. Uh, Owen ominously lurks behind Backlund as he rants, uh, misusing big words. Sean's just making fun faces the whole time. Yeah, he looks so stupid. I know, like, with dumb hat. Sean is just like, why? Why? I hate both of these <laughs> yeah, people. Ooh. Like, his character doesn't even like both of these Why guys. would he like anyone? Yeah. yeah. He doesn't like anyone. Yeah, exactly. Sh- the character. Backlund's, of course, yelling like an idiot. Brett's like, you know, you talk about the old generation, the new generation. You're from the lost generation. Which actually could be true because the lost generation is like, was born like the 30s or yeah. so. I don't know how old Backlund is, but it's he, possible. He was born in 50, I think, or 49. He's uh-huh. a boomer, technically, an oh, older really? boomer. Yeah. Okay. Brett says he's not just fighting for his family or for the belt. He's fighting for every young kid that believes in him, which is, that's just a very on-brand Bret Hart oh, promo, yeah. you know? I feel like the little kid from the commercial would just be like, Brett! Yeah, exactly. Like, right after he says that. <laughs> right. When I step in the ring with you in the Survivor Series, I'm not just fighting for my family. I'm not just going to be fighting for the World Wrestling Federation Championship belt. I'm fighting for something a lot more important than that, Bob Backlund. I'm fighting for every single young child and young kid around the world that believes in me. Uh, so there we have it. It's going to be a submission match. It's going to be set for the Survivor Series. A.K.A. an absolutely boring match. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, mm-hmm. What a package, though. It's a package. Very good right, video yeah. package. Back to ringside where Stan Lane is plugging the Survivor Series hotline. Really? We have that? Why, that's unnecessary. <laughs> no. There's really nothing to talk about. <laughs> well, they're doing this useless poll about which submission move is more effective. The sharpshooter, the chicken. Like, what's the point of voting you, in that? What do you get for you that? Don't. Yeah, you don't. Well, like, a bigger phone bill. Why didn't they at least, like, they could have offered, like, mail-ins if, like, right, just, right. just to make it, like, so you only have to pay for stamps. Do you have to spend money to vote on something that they doesn't matter? bullshit, like, all this stuff. You're not choosing something to happen. Do they at least tell you the live results? Like, when you give your answer, do they be like, oh, well, 50-something percent say this? Like, do you yeah, le- sure. Do you, they at least do that? Yeah, sure, Quinn. Uh, Yakazuma's music hits now. And he's brought down by Cornette and Fuji. Fuji can barely walk, by the yes. way. He's waddling. And then Stan Lane says Yokozuna is stronger than the Republican Party. <laughs> and then G- Gorilla says Senpai. And then I'm like, what the hell is this show? <laughs> What's going on? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> what are they talking about? What was that Republican Party comment? Uh, stronger than the Republican Party. Is that because Bill Clinton was recently elected? No, he wasn't even. He's been the president for like two years. Yeah, but wasn't the, wasn't in 94 the Republican Party was like a very, um had the House... Oh, they got the Newt Gingrich shit. They got the Newt Gingrich, remember? Was that, maybe that was just starting here? The era of bipartisanism or whatever. So they partisanism. Co- are they trying to say that the Republican Party actually is currently strong and Yokozuna is just as strong as Stronger them? Stronger than. Oh, stronger than. Yes. Uh, Yoko has a very Hugh Hefner-esque robe, which is very nice, you it's know? It's very fancy. Very. Like, more like smoker jacket-ish for Yoko. Like Big Daddy V style. Smoker gee. Smoker gee. <laughs> true. Now, Gorilla, for the record, is still at a literal... Constant yell. Gorilla, he's stronger than the Republican Party. Well, he certainly is. Former WWF champion Yokozuna being led down here by James E. Cornette and the Senpai, the master, Mr. Fuji. That mid-80s, you know, just 
You know that that's gone. We there's none of that today. No, now this is like it's the it's the tone he uses when he talks to Brain, but like it never stops. <laughs> yeah, it's like as if he was calling moves as he was yelling at Brain at the same time. It's the oh there it is tone. Yeah, but he just that's there, how he it, talks. It doesn't go below that tone. In the ring is a Yoko's opponent, John Crystal. Why is this on here? Meanwhile, <laughs> Gorilla is calling Chuck Norris Mister Martial Arts. Just shut up. <laughs> just stop it. It's true. But he's the thing is, it's like usually. He would say that in normal tone and say, Mr. Martial Arts! Like, he's, like, so fucking annoying. I know. It was just like we said, I never get annoyed by him, but he's, like, he's Jim Cornette. Yeah. He's motor-mouthing this it's show. so annoying. I never heard him talk this fast. Yeah, uh, it's seriously ridiculous. Jack Doan is the referee, as Stan Lee says, a uh, crony. Uh, you'll go with a belly-to-belly for the win. Yeah, was, <laughs> That's literally the whole match, so I short. swear. It was really short. It was, like, short. a second. I was, like, why is this even here? <laughs> like, did the, the, it was longer for Yoko to, like, toddle out there than sure. Match. Yeah, really. Uh, we now get that whole western cow skull tumbleweeds fire desert. Whatever the hell the intro is for the Survivor Series report. Mm, don't forget the animated wolf barking on a mountain. It's terrible. It's like I swear it's like wildy e. coyote it's or terry. something. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. Oh, I tell you, it's just terrible. Todd has a suede or felt jacket yeah, or whatever. Very felt. His hair is so annoying. Yeah. I can't. Do that. I I don't mind Todd sometimes, but sometimes that guy's hair. Is yeah. just out of hand. It changes a lot too. <laughs> yeah. Like on, on like it, it depends on what you're watching. But it's usually not good. It's the chameleon of haircuts. It really can just change on a dime. It's ridiculous. Uh, Maybe he, a nickel even. Yeah, a nickel. Yeah. He hypes up the very pointless casket match that seriously, like we said, I don't think anyone cared about. Double wide, Joe. It's important. <laughs> and I now- keep saying it. It's just the same one they use for Kamala. Yes. I swear. He now throws us to a promo for Survivor Series. Wait a minute. A promo within the Survivor Series report? Why can't he just say the fucking matches? Why do he need a promo? Well, Quinn, Chuck Norris is going to be here. Nope, that 7,000th degree magenta belt. (laughs) This shit ain't going to fucking happen again because my black belt said so. Jim Cornette, of course, says Yokozuna is going to win. Undertaker, of course, says Yokozuna won't win. Why do they keep saying his name that way? Like, like Like, it's got like a trunk to it yoka 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 and razor like you know what i mean like turtles yoka zuna yoka zuna (laughs) why does it call him that i don't know what that is no one says his name right yoka zuna fuji my yoko zuma zuma yakuzuma they they couldn't get it right it's not hard vince actually used to say it correctly yeah no vince did yeah well because he hired him and you know he understands yeah, and for some reason, Quinn, this whole freaking promo is like a movie trailer. If, to quote you, it, it's all bad. It's all bad. They're all like from the director of WrestleMania 10 in SummerSlam. I'm like, who, Kevin Dunn? <laughs> like, it's terrible. And then like at the end, the graphic, you know, yeah. it's like those like movie credit kind. Oh, and, yeah, and yeah. It, like has all the names of the wrestlers in it, like in little black letters or what it's awful. And they're yeah, they really tried too hard to make it like a movie trailer. Yeah. For this shitty event. Oh. From the directors. Shut the fuck up. Like, ser- that was that was like a step too far for me. It was a little much. Yeah. Uh, we see a clip of The Undertaker killing Jim Neidhart for literally no reason last yeah, week. shown. It's like, oh, see, he's good. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like, what? Jim Neidhart's like nobody I at know. this point. It's like Owen's crony. Yeah. Literally, he's, he's Owen Hart's even, yeah, crony. He, he just went from being <laughs> Bret Hart's crony to Owen Hart. Like, not even the big brother anymore. No. <laughs> it's always just a crony forever. <laughs> so Todd hypes up the actual Survivor Series in his words. Which includes Guts and Glory, that's the team of Lex Lugar, the Smoking Guns, and Men on a Mission. We're five out of five again this year, by the way, oh, for no weird. reason. I, because. Just because. They decided to do that this year. They're taking on the Million Dollar Team, which this time, this is just so 1994. God. Yeah, everyone is uh, it's poor. Some good wrestlers, but God, no one cared. Bam Bam Bigelow, 
heel Tatanka, <sighs> King Kong Bundy, and the Heavenly Bodies. Now, is the match good? Yeah, fine, but like no one cared about this. What's the thing is they call it the Million Dollar Team, but the Heavenly Bodies aren't in the Million Dollar Corporation. What the fuck are they doing there? Why, guess, why can't like IRS and like the other whatever person? Yeah, IRS doesn't wrestle. It doesn't he just interfere in the casket match? I, I think probably he I does. I don't even remember because I barely ever make the effort to watch this. Don't video, don't. It's, it's bad. poor. It is, however, where Gorilla says your catchphrase apparently. Uh, Howdy doody! Yeah, he does. <laughs> Howdy doody! This is a bad pay-per-view, from my memory. Yeah, the opener is the only really good thing, yeah. which is this match. The bad guys, which is Razor the Kid, the Bulldog, and the Shitty Head Shrinkers with Sione. Uh, they're going to take on the Teamsters, which mm-hmm. is Diesel, Sean Nichols, Jim Neidhart, Own Hart, and Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Now, w- like, where's Jimmy Hoffa on that team? I don't understand. Why Giant- are they called the fucking Teamsters? What does that mean? Because Diesel was in the Teamsters union, I guess, because he's a truck driver. That's just one person? I think so. What is Shawn, what union's Shawn Michaels and what union's Neidhart? No, but they, Diesel got them into the union. Oh. so I don't they, know. They, they got memberships because Diesel teamed with them once? I would imagine, though, that that's why. The Teamsters, like, aren't truck, can't truck drivers be wouldn't, in that, maybe? Wouldn't the Teamsters union um, conflict with Jeff Jarrett's, like, SAG card or whatever? Not SAG. He's not an actor. Well, he's a musician, so I just figured they have SAG cards, too, don't they? Screen Actors Guild? No, I don't think so. Well, they're performers on the screen so. occasionally. No, a Teamster is a truck driver. So, I mean, that's the truck driver's union would be the Teamster I union. I Teamsters was a general catch-all union. Maybe it is, but it originated, I oh, think, originated, as a truck driver. Okay. Uh, but anyway, of course, we're going to have Clowns or Us versus the King's Court. We're that's not going to talk about yeah, that. But we don't need... We, we already covered that yeah, on the all Go listen to the All-American yeah. about that shit. Doink, dink, pink, and wink, all yeah. that. And Bret Hart versus Bob Backlund in a submission match. And Todd is all like, Backlund has the same towel from 1983. <laughs> and I'm like, that's highly unlikely. It probably good. smell. It's bullshit. There's no way that they kept that. There's no, no way like, at the time that they thought, man, this is going to be really useful in 1984 <laughs> or 1994. Especially since it's just a white towel. Yeah. Like, it could be it's, any it white towel. It could be any white towel ever. Fred Cattell. Yep. Uh, this Wednesday night, Quinn, the 23rd, it's the Survivor Series. Who cares? <laughs> like, seriously, if, if any time we needed a gorilla, who cares? It's it's for that, because this pay-per-view looks like shit. It's on Wednesday, too. Like, what? That's the last time they did it. Why? Well, from 90... Because it's right before Thanksgiving. I got From it. 91, 92, 93, 94, they did it the day before. Right. 87 and 90, they did it on Thanksgiving. And then in 95, they're just like, fuck it, just Sunday. Yeah. You know? <laughs> they're just like, yeah, screw just it. Just enough yeah. with this. Uh, Todd throws back to ringside now where Rule Britannia hits and the British Bulldog makes his entrance. And I remember being very excited at the time when he came back in 94. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to pretend that I didn't like him. I really did. But we, <laughs> this I don't remember. We get some like really swooshy this fireworks. One of the most amazing things and that like, happens on this show. Gorilla's like, ah, oh, the rocket's red glare. Yeah, so that happens. And then out of nowhere, there's like Atari laser beam. <laughs> like those noises, like yeah. Atari laser beam noises, like sink to the fireworks. And I'm like, what even is this show? <laughs> like, like what compelled them to do that? Like, so they had to go out and get that noise. They yes, they to, did. They probably had, like, an Atari. They took the sound, and then Shame. they had to take uh, the time to sync that it, shit. Shane, you still have that video they, game system? They got Jim Johnson with his expensive audio equipment. <laughs> well, yeah. Vince, you know, I can write a song that sounds like the Ultimate Warriors. Vince, with this tech, I can take clips. <laughs> I can record clips. Clips. <laughs> Any sounds. Any sounds you got. You got Shane's Atari? <laughs> we'll use that. <laughs> Stephanie's still using it? No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't play video games. Yeah, I don't games. play video games. Yeah. Uh, he then segues, the gorilla does, into how the British Bulldog is going to be in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day the Parade. The American, the British Bulldog, <laughs> in the American Thanksgiving Parade. 
Uh, Owen Hart enters now to his classic music. It's good music. I also like how Owen's face is like projected on the ring with the crown. It's all so stupid that it's like actually funny. Yeah, with the King of Hearts like like, logo spinning around like his face or the crown. He looks like a dumbass. Uh, Timmy White is our referee. And before we go to break here. Owen surreptitiously is trying to loosen the turnbuckle pad, which really bothers so he's Gorilla. He's like outraged as he like fades into the commercial. <laughs> what is he doing here? He can't be doing that. Yeah, it's really, it's so ridiculous. Promotional consideration is paid for by WWF Raw is War. Wait, what? Like <laughs> the wait, video game? What, that's not. What that's it what co- it was called. I don't know why. Was it the video game like was the, called that? Well, they said. I don't remember my Super Nintendo cartridge saying that on it. It was just the slogan for the game. I think it's just weird that like that. that like, they recycled would actually that. Yeah. Become the show. Yeah, it's like WWF Raw is war. Right? Is Where that- did Warzone come from? Where did they get that stupid idea from? <laughs> like, did they just think that like the war, war is going on? War next to, well, it's in the name. So when, where else does a war take place? On a battlefield. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> Just saying. War zone. <laughs> it's true. Uh, G.I. Joe Battlecore figure, speaking of Battlefields. We've yeah. covered that shit before. Uh, and Wolverine Adamantium uh, Rage for Super Nintendo that and hot Genesis. Yep. Yeah. I heard it wasn't that good, that Probably one. wasn't. Uh, back to ringside, though. Bulldog has the short tights. Owen has the King of Hearts black tights. Lockup and a push-off by Bulldog, so Owen celebrates. Another lockup and a shoving match here, and Owen hides in the ropes and then celebrates again. Arm ringer by the Bulldog into a wrist lock. As Gorilla yells about the dungeon <laughs> and about the towel, and then he just randomly yells, Holy Moses! And then, what the hell is going on with this show? Like, what the fuck? Like, he's out of control. He's so... And, like, I should note that I should have said in my notes all the other stuff previously to Holy Moses in capital letters because yes. that's like the actual tone. That's how he sounds. It's ridiculous. Owen with his trademark kip up, but Bulldog now gets his and when he's back in control. Owen flips out again, but Bulldog reverses to a hammerlock as Gorilla is very, very annoyed that he doesn't know where Jim Neidhart is. He's like, where's where's the anvil? What does that matter? I don't, he didn't even come out with I, him. How do you even know he's in the building? I, exactly. Why would you want him out there? Yeah. Who cares he where he is? He should be happy. Right. Uh, <laughs> Owen flips out of the hammerlock but walks right into a press slam. Big clothesline now by the Bulldog and Owen is out of the ring. Crowd's very into the match. I'll give him that. Owen decides to take a walk up to an eight count but finally gets back in the ring and Gorilla's like, he doesn't want to go home with the short end of the purse money. That's the first thing that comes to his head. Of course. Bulldog <laughs> Sue plays Owen back into the ring and clamps on and armbar. And now Gorilla says Paranoid Bob for like the 867th <laughs> time. It's like so bad. Ah, Paranoid Bob Backlund! It's that. so bad. We haven't even been mentioning that he keeps saying yeah, that it's like an, a lot. It's irritating. Owen's out now and uh, hits an Irish whip at an arm drag by the Bulldog and back to the armbar. Little update for you on Gorilla. Still yelling. British Bulldog oh. just had a chicken wing on there! Uh, armbar update. Bulldog has one on Owen. Owen's up now. Irish whip a bulldog with a shoulder block, but Owen lands a knee as we go to break. Which, by the way, Stan Lane keeps saying shoulder crash. <laughs> he does. And just, just, yeah, just, I just want to turn it off at this point. Like, seriously, late 1994 is the worst time for WF. Like, holy <laughs> it's shit. It's really like, crappy. I thought 95 was bad. This is bad. This is bad. This is, like, notably bad. Like, we've watched so much of it that I'm, like, pretty confident that this specific time it's not good. is really, really bad. Match is good, but just it's a hard time to watch for some reason. Yeah. Uh, we're back now from break, and Owen rams Bulldog into the turnbuckles for a while, inverted atomic drop, chin lock now by Owen for fun. Gorilla, of course, decides that this is a nice time to bring up SummerSlam 92. Yeah, of course. Why not? Uh, Bulldog powers out, but Owen gets an elbow for two, and more chin lockery by Owen. Gorilla update, he's still yelling. He's going for the cover here! Oh, it doesn't look away. Only a two count. 
he's talking too much or something and too fast and too high. Same tone. Yeah, he will. Yeah, the whole time. Yeah, and I think like it's funny. He, the I had mentioned earlier that he breaks that tone, and the the only time he ever broke that tone was anything. I wonder where the anvil is. Like he just says that. Like and then like. <laughs> like he's like right back to it and he never stops uh sunset flip by bulldog gets a close to as stanley and decides to be vince mcmahon is like did he get him no he didn't get him <laughs> awesome inziguri by owen gets two chinlock again though owen with a slam now and he lands a top rope elbow for two bulldog with a crappy small package for two but owen gets a pop-up clothesline and a two count of his own this is a pretty good match by the way mm-hmm. he grabs a chinlock again as we go to break we're back, and Bulldog is now powering out with elbows, off the ropes, leapfrog, double shoulder block, and both men are out. Gorilla decides to yell, don't be a turkey, get Survivor Series! Like, God, I swear, like, he's so annoying. Uh, <laughs> Owen goes back to that turnbuckle he loosened earlier, and he pulls the pad off. Timmy White, what the fuck was this? He, like, casually just picks it up, and he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> he doesn't care. <laughs> idiot. It's supposed just, to not see that. Sunday Night Slam. Nobody gives a shit, Joe. <laughs> uh, of course, Bulldog blocks Owen's charge there and rams Owen right into the steel. Closing off the ropes now, slingshot into the turnbuckle, and a schoolboy gets two for the Bulldog. Corner whip and a monkey flip by Bulldog, but he eats a boot, not like Mel Phillips, and gets uh, bulldogged. And Gorilla has to just say, a bulldog for the bulldog! Because of course he says that. And also Stan Lane even chimes in, I was going to say that too! Like, <laughs> like I swear. Uh-huh, Gorilla, you're funny. Yeah. Irish whip now, Owen with a leapfrog. He goes down, appearing to have hurt his knee. But Lane and Gorilla are very skeptical about that. Oh yeah, immediately. Because yeah. Gorilla, like, anytime the heels do it, he does not buy it. <laughs> like, They're never injured! <laughs> Fuck them! What a bunch of assholes! Yeah, basically. Uh, meanwhile... Bob Backlund takes this opportunity to sneak in, put the chicken wing on the bulldog, and the bell rings. Owen stomps the away. Yeah, stomps like, oh, it, like hokey, dumpy. You know it's yeah. on purpose, right? Oh yeah, I know <laughs> Owen's just like being a heel, but He's it's just really funny, like hacky about it. Yeah, yeah. Jack Don and Mike Kyoto run out to help. Brett now appears and beats the shit out of Owen. Oh, yeah. He's just like, get the fuck out. I already beat your ass. Like, get the hell out of here. And then he goes over to Backlund and just punches the fuck out of him. (laughs) Brett's, like, good at these scenarios, to be honest. He's a good hero here. He is. He just beats the shit out of Backlund. Good thing they decided in, like, two months that he was not going to matter anymore for whatever reason. (laughs) For the whole year, practically. Yeah. Ugh, that was dumb. Gorilla just yells and yells as Brett goes for the sharpshooter, but Owen pulls Backlund out of dodge there. They scurry to the back. Bulldog and Brett celebrate in the ring as Gorilla's just yelling more. We go back to the announcer's green screen now. And, of course, they remind us to buy Survivor Series. And then they literally wave goodbye. They both actually wave. Yeah, they're like, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Here's my thoughts. The wrestling, like the two big matches, the tag opener and this, they're good. Like, those are good matches. They're competent. Yeah, they're fine. The commentary was... Very hard to deal with. And I, I mean, I thought it made it so dumpy, Joe. Well, like, it really hurt the show. Well, because not only is it Gorilla yelling, it's that all they're really doing, it's a commercial for Survivor they Series. They just keep yelling about Survivor so Series. All, like, but, they don't even care about the match. It, I, I just don't understand how Gorilla could be this bad, yeah. like, in this one rare time. It, right. It's upsetting, and I, like, literally never want to see this again. Yeah, like, don't it, watch it. It's, no, it's, you don't like, see it's gonna this. make you, like, not like Gorilla. It's, it's kind of crazy, actually. It's very sad. But, I mean, we'll always love Gorilla. But we will. It's not this like was we're going to just give up on Gorilla Monsoon or anything. But, like, the point is, is that... This was a tough one. Yeah, this it really, were, like... It really was. It makes you just, like, why yeah. Why is he like this? <laughs> why, is, why are you like this? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, folks, we hope you liked this here as we have kicked off now Season 16. That's right. Episode number 151 here of Our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Want to remind you guys, follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Join the Facebook group. You can go to our YouTube channel. We have OVPPodcast.com. 
t-shirts over at teespring.com slash OVP podcast. And you can go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast. And hey, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Yeah, definitely. If you use that. But until next time, we'll be back to kick off November with the Royal Flush. We'll have another review and talk about another mid-carter. Until that time, I'm Joe Morata. That's Michael Quinn. And we are out of here. See ya. is up and running the WWF Survivor Series hotline. The number is 1-900-454-WWF-8. It's $1.49 for the first minute and 99 cents each additional minute. Gorilla Monsoon, you have been calling that opinion poll. Well, it is hot indeed. If you want to express your opinion, here's the way you can do it. Will it be Brett the Hitman's sharpshooter or Paranoid Bob's chicken wing and crossface? Plus, you can hear all the controversial interviews with a different superstar daily and right now it is paranoid bob who's on the hotline i'm gonna call him that number is one 900 wwf8 and kids you must be 18 years old or have your parents permission before calling Howdy, Howdy,